Episode 110, look who got a haircut. Look who got, as my father would say, his ears lowered. Ears lowered, yeah, my dad said that one too. <laughs> Didn't you once tell me that you pay a lot of money for that thing? You get a bowl of soup with that haircut? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> take some naked lady teeth. Some... Too bad it's not episode 100, it could be haircut 100. But you, you probably don't know that band, do you? No. Nah, it just no. flew right over your uncut no. hair. Okay, no. gotcha. Yeah, I need yeah. a haircut bad. So are you still not going? Are you out on No, no, that? no, I go. I go oh, now. Okay. I go now. Yeah. No, yeah. I pay 35 bucks. Plus tip. Then I give 10 bucks. Yeah. 45. 45 out the door. 45. I yeah. spend 18, although they just jacked it up at uh, whatever it is, whatever it's called. Great Clips or whatever yeah. the place is that I go. Yeah. Jacked it up to 20? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with this picture? I'm paying $18 for my haircut. Yeah. You're paying 45 Well, you know, I was but on look a... At, but I got to tell you, that haircut, I'm looking at it's it. Nice, Too bad we're it? not on like some sort of Facebook Live or something. Yeah. Because that's at least a $27, $28 haircut. Right around there. <laughs> See, I got that syndicated morning show taste, and you're still the you know, local radio taste. I think that might be the difference, you know. What is that supposed to be? Well, I was, I, I was syndicated. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we were in Spokane. We were in Portland for a while. Yeah. Doesn't that count as being syndicated? Where were you guys? In like 5,000 stations? Where were you? Yeah, about 6,000 right around there. Come on, where were you? Where were you guys? Uh, The T-Man Of course, Yakima and Spokane. That goes without saying. Okay. Uh, Portland, easy. All right, I was in Spokane. Um, The Bay Area. Oh. Did you get numbers in the Bay Area? Number two was our best, and we lost to a Spanish-speaking station that was number one. So we take that as a win. Are you sure you guys weren't speaking Spanish? (laughs) (laughs) We actually got to number two in Anchorage, Alaska as well, and the owner of the station was in her car and wanted to flip on the new morning show with their their 12-year-old in the car. Yeah, we were gone the next week. (laughs) I completely axed. (laughs) Did you get paid more to be on all those stations? Uh, Theoretically. (laughs) Theoretically. (laughs) You heard what Michael O'Shea said, and tell everybody who Michael O'Shea is. The non-patrons who uh, didn't hear. Oh, right, yes. Our former boss, the guy who was responsible... He says, for bringing me to Seattle yes. and putting me in the morning. Although I don't think he remembered that I did the midday show. No, he, he really didn't. hired I, don't, I think, I, I, I think I, he I, thought I was the tea man, too, by the way. That's the only reason we got him on. I don't know if you remember. Oh, Michael O'Shea was our old. He was the, the grand poobah of all three stations. Yeah. KJR, AM, FM, yeah. and Cube 93. So we had him on and went fun. down memory lane. Good time. I think people like that. I think so, too. Did I got you get some, any feedback? I did. I got a couple. I think two, yeah. two or three people liked it. Yeah, I think it. people yeah. enjoyed it. I'll tell you who didn't like it. Okay. Young didn't like it. That's the first name? Young? Young 207-443-341 on the Twitter. It's a lot of Young 207-443-41. I made some innocuous comment on Twitter. I don't remember exactly what I said about something. It had nothing to do with the show, but whatever. And he just threw in, hey, I enjoyed listening to your morning show, but I feel like in this new podcast medium, you sound too old radio style. He oh, wrote that. Really? Yeah. And, the, and then I wrote back. I actually retweeted it with comment. And I wrote back, appreciate the feedback, young 207 <laughs> yeah. Can you expand on that so that I can understand and maybe adapt to the format? Give me some more details. Because I didn't really know what he was talking about. Yeah, I don't either. He then went on to send four more tweets. Whoa. I didn't respond to any of them. I figured you could respond to them now. Okay. This is what he said. He says, Right or wrong, the audience is so used to the Joe Rogan freeform style of interviewing. Okay. You're just as, if not more interesting than Joe is for us Seattle sports fans. It'd be cool to even just have a podcast with you talking to somebody in the same room as you post-pandemic. Well, 
<laughs> if only one day we can do that. Yes, I'm with him. And then he went on to say, so more of Mitch and people he's interested in. And now everybody else's pipe are throwing yeah, their two cents. That happens. And I, I'm not sure I'm understanding because I don't listen to Joe Rogan. Okay. What he says we do that the other podcast people don't do. I guess I'm not doing it right, according to him. He says, so more of Mitch and people he's interested in sharing a long conversation with. It can meander. It can be one to two to sometimes even three hours long. You have the talent to go deep like these other podcast moguls. Golf, Seattle sports. Get into the brains behind your network. I'm already confused. Okay, I don't know what that means. All right. Another format that we know that works is Bill Simmons. They go deep and do it more frequently. Joe, Bill, Mitch, right now it jumps around and feels really produced old sports radio AM style. That format is dated. Not one of my age listeners, not one of my age people listens to that commercial-filled format. And then he writes, sorry, Twitter is really limiting. Mitch needs to be on YouTube, YouTube plus the podcast. Copy the media kings and do it better. Ooh. Mitch has the talent to bring in an audience, a big one. Go, big it's man. A, it's a lot so of, I, don't, I don't really understand this. Well, maybe, I thought a, maybe you would be, because you listen to other podcasts, do, maybe yeah. you get what he's trying to say. It's a lot of feedback, first of all. <laughs> That's a lot of notes. <laughs> Young... 207-44341. Okay. First of all, I listen, to, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I have listened to a lot. Joe's the only one I know of that does two and a half hours with one person. No one else does that. Joe will have on neurophysicist Sam Harris, and they'll get high. Maybe not Sam, but Joe will smoke weed, and they'll sit there for two or two and a half hours and pontificate. And that's what he wants me to do. That's what Young wants I me to do. I think that's what he wants you to do. But what, what, what is exactly, what do we do? We just don't get high. Is the, that's the only difference. <laughs> and we're not, not interesting yet. or funny. <laughs> right. So most, I wouldn't say most people do what Joe does, first of all. Okay. So I think that's, that. Mark Maron will have a guy on, or a woman on, and he'll do 45 minutes or an hour. Okay. You know, okay. But okay. We talk sports, so I don't know how that, how that would work, to have yeah. just Rick Neuheisel on for an hour on your couch with you. That'd probably be a little weird to people. Secondly, I don't disagree that being on YouTube would be awesome. I just don't know how I, I don't know how we do that. I don't know what your interest level is. YouTube has billions of people on there. It's it's all it's every TV station combined as far as viewership goes. So that would be great. I mean, I don't disagree with them with that, but yeah, I, I don't. Are think- you saying the whole show should be on YouTube? Should be recorded and placed on YouTube? Are you saying it should be live on YouTube? Are you saying there should be clips on well, YouTube? It could be both. It could I be don't live. really understand. Why would anybody listen to the podcast? Yeah. Well, Why would anybody well, download or listen to the podcast if they could go to YouTube and 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 watch it there? Did we already talk about this at Mary War Park? What are we talking about it for now on the show? I thought we discussed this. I, because young, oh two, yeah, three, yeah. four, eight, seven, six. Now, yeah, you have to figure out a way to monetize it on YouTube, of course. So you you know, so oh, you I get, get paid for both. I see. Yeah, I don't know. It's just I don't know. We need people smarter than us to, to do this. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe we should hire young. And uh, Bill Simmons has a podcast called The Rewatchables. I, I enjoy it. He he'll do an old movie. He does commercials. He does live reads. All I mean, what's he saying? There's no commercial. He does it at the same time every time. People, okay. do, people do live reads okay. on podcasts now. Well, this is episode one, 110, and there are people that say saying now that we're doing it all wrong. Why did I that plug? The podcast is too old format, <laughs> old AM format style. It's probably the hosts that are old AM, AM format style. <laughs> well, we're old. Yeah, here, at least I'm old. Here I am plugging Bill Simmons. The guy's a billionaire. I'm telling people about his <laughs> podcast. Don't listen. Listen to ours. Episode 110. <laughs> subscribe, post a rating, and review our free September patron promotion. 
promotion is basically over. Email me if you'd like the last few days of the month for free. I'll still get it for you. Uh, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. We are now up to three or fo- four bonus shows every week during the football season. So not a, now the patrons not only get this Monday show like everybody gets, yep. but we do we do fantasy, we do the Seahawks note table, a preview of the upcoming game, we do golf, we do a lot of different things. Yep. Okay? So there's lots to do on the bonus section. Plus, we do beat the boys. Yes, we do, for some reason. Presented by Fireside Home Solutions. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. As we speak, uh huh. we didn't do well. You and I did not do well the first two weeks. We should be doing better than 500 in games that we don't pick against the spread. Yeah, I would just, agree. You just need to pick winners. You and I have been doing knockout pools for, what, 25 years? Yes. I mean, yeah. We should be doing better. Okay, we should be we should be hitting at a 750 clip easy. Yes. Three out of every four. Yeah, I agree with that. And we were three and three going into the week. <laughs> yeah. It's not good. And as we're recording, there's a game being played that's involved in the three games. So we don't know about that one. And there's a game on Monday night that we don't know about that one. But there was an earlier game on Sunday between the Houston Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers that we chose as well. And by the way, I'm choosing the games. So on top <laughs> that's true. on top of the that. fact that I can't pick a winner, I'm choosing the games. I can choose any games that I want. Yeah, yeah. I choose the three games. So yeah. my question to you is how did you do on Sunday? So on Sunday, yeah, uh, I tried to make up a little move. I, I tried to make up a little ground. I tried sure. to make a move. Sure, because there's like 500 and change beating us right now. Well, yes. So an 0-3 team. And I don't have 500 prizes. <laughs> I'll be washing people's cars, I feel like, on the weekend. I told everybody house. that I'm going to get everybody a prize that beats us over the course of the season. Yeah. We've got 500 and change that they're beating us. I know. Okay. We're washing cars. I know Tissues, we are. We're doing something. I know. We're going to have to. we don't get our act together. Yeah. Tell me you won the one game, the Houston Texans-Pittsburgh Steelers game. On so the move I tried to make was I'm going to pick an 0-2 team going on the road to a 2-0 team. I mean, that's just, that's just good sense right there, right? Well, because Houston's better. I agree. Yes. They started with, I think, Kansas City in week one and Baltimore in week two. That was not with no fans. Yeah. That was, they're, they're just better than that. So they're going to go to Pittsburgh and win, you thought. I thought Deshaun was just going to have one of these crazy games. Sure, why and, not? Yeah, why not? Yeah, just got a big contract, yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It always works out when guys get big contracts, right? They always play well. And they lost. Yeah, and they end up losing only by seven, though. I know it doesn't Thanks. count. It doesn't, well. Thanks for the help. It's called beat the boys, not beat the boy. Yeah, I know. You're supposed to participate and win some games and help me out. So that 500 and change don't beat us. Thanks, thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm not. I'm definitely not carrying my thanks my weight lot. on this. So are you gonna? I don't know how you. I don't know how you'd pick the Texans in that game. Well, like I guess I was trying to trying to make a move. Trying to make a move. I picked the Texans. <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> you thought the same thing. <laughs> are you trying to make a move in week three oh, as well? Oh God! Did you I'm really? Already de- yeah. What moron would pick the Texans? God. 0-2 going to 2-0? and You know what I love? Oh. I love the fact that you get a point for each one that you win. Mm-hmm. So we're now 3-4. and four. And there are people that went 3-0 and the first week and then haven't made a pick since, and they're still tied with us. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> There's like 35 people, and I kid you not, there are like 35 people God. that won a perfect 3-0 and in week one and haven't made a pick since, and yet they're still tied. I mean, they could just jump back in. They could take a few weeks off. Yeah, right. Uh, around week That's eight, how bad we are. They could take a few weeks off. Yeah, around week eight, they're going to jump back in. They've decided to go anyway, ahead and beat us. I owe everybody oh. a week, what would it be, a week four code word? Oh, week that's right. Week four yeah. code word, right? Yep. Right? You do. Okay. 
So, as you know, it's the Beat the Boys contest presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Football season is fireplace season, so consider beginning your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. They'll come to your house no charge and work with you on the perfect system for your space. By the way, this where I live this past it could not have been more perfect fireplace weather. There you go. It started getting cold. It was pouring right down rain. Football's yes. on. Yes. It was brilliant. Yeah. Fireplace. Firesidehomesolutions.com. All right. Code, uh, code word for week four. As you know... When you go to fill out your picks, the only prerequisite is you've got to know this code word and type it in. Yep. And the code word, and by the way, this is different than the password. People, people were typing in this word as their username and password. Okay, your password is your password. <laughs> That's your personal choice. This is choice. the code word. <laughs> code word and password are different. They think okay? you're powerful. You can just go in and change, change everyone's everybody's pa- password. Yeah. No, I'm not changing everybody's right. password each week. Gotcha. You still put in your personal password, yeah. and then you put in the code word, which for week number four okay. is Piper. Oh, I like it. That's nice. P-I-P-E-R. Do you have any questions? Now, the, my question is, is it case sensitive? It is not. Oh. It's funny that you should ask that. It is not case sensitive. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. You can do it caps. You can do it lowercase. You can do a mixture of the two. I believe it all works. Nice. It may not all work, but I think I think it all works. Maybe I'll have her join in week four and there you kick go. our butts. The as well. code word is Piper. Nice. Okay. Speaking of speaking of kids. Yes. Wait, didn't you take Yes? You just reminded me when you brought up yes. Piper. Wait, didn't you drop Max off? Yes. He's gone. Don't you notice well, when you walk through the doors, a different feeling when you walk through the, the Levy household doors tonight? No, nah, he never really gives me much attention <laughs> when I walk in. Brett at least says hello. Max is just too cool. Oh, God. Wow, so he's gone. That's it. Yeah. He's in the dorms. He's in the dorms, right? Not a frat. He's in, uh, he's in Lander Hall. Okay. You ever heard of Lander Hall? Sounds familiar. Do they have a Lander Hall at Eastgate State, Bellevue Community College? Not that I remember. No, no I don't no, think they no, did. No, they're not a But aren't all the Lander. dorms kind of like around, like in the same area? I think there's some sections of, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think there's different. Up on the hill, kind of? No, there's North Campus. I think oh. there's, yeah, whatever. I, I don't really know. Okay. I'm, I'm making all this stuff up. So I, I just I, know that he went to Lander Hall. I know that Friday morning, we had a move-in time because of COVID restrictions. Oh, okay. We had to show up in our masks yeah. at 8 a.m. Friday morning. Oh, wow. That's early. We, we pulled up to Lander Hall. Yeah. And like nobody's business, it was like a surreal experience. Like it was an out-of-body experience. For that you. I, that, yeah, that I am old enough or that I have a son uh, that I am dropping off to go to college is just... just it, it, uh, I just shook my head the entire day. I was there. The I was. We were there the entire day moving him in. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, did you find yourself getting into like dad mode? Like I got to get this going and get the bed, and, or did or did you, did you not have time to get emotional while you were there? Because you know how you kind of get into dad mode, carry this box, set this up, and yeah, oh, there was plenty of time to get emotional. There was, and I figured that I would cry like a baby because I cry at everything. I cry in movies. I cry at everything. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't take much to get me to cry. So I was, I was well armed with tissue paper. I was ready. <laughs> Tissue paper. <laughs> I was or tissues or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. toilet paper. I was I was well armed. I was ready to cry. And the truth is, we got in the car many, many we probably were there five, six hours. We we had lunch in the middle. We went to U Village to go to lunch oh, nice. or whatever. We met his roommate. We took his roommate out to lunch. We met some of the people on his floor, whatever. Oh, that's cool. With social distancing. But just moving him in, I, I just and then we left. We left our yeah. son there. We left our little boy there. Can you remember the day you moved into dorms, like, vividly? It was so different. How so? It was so different. Really? Yeah. I remember, and my wife doesn't quite believe this because I kept on saying this over and over again, when I saw that we needed two cars worth 
Oh. Two cars <laughs> yeah. to bring the belongings. Oh my God. T- times have changed, haven't they? <laughs> she doesn't. Because she, she thinks of me a certain way. And she says, there's no way your mom and dad did. I, and I, and I, I've told her, I told her a million times. I don't think my mother even came with us, number one. Right. Well, you're the third, right? I was the third. Yeah, she's done by that. I then. don't think she came with us. I think it was my father <laughs> and myself. And what I remember vividly is I had clothes and toiletries. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, no video game system. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no video games, <laughs> no cleaning fluids, no mops, <laughs> right. no vacuums, oh, God. no food, no yeah. cinnamon toast crunch, <laughs> right. no, 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 um, t- uh, yeah. And we didn't Espresso have a ba- machine. He has a bathroom in his room. <laughs> oh, I'm yeah, like, what's that? that. I, I had a bucket. That's right. I brought a bucket. We went down the hall with our toiletries yeah, right. and a bucket. Yeah, and with flip flops. And, and, and flip flops. Yeah, yep. And my dad <laughs> kept on telling me, don't go in the shower without the flip flops. That's right. Yep. You never go in the shower without the flip flops. Yep. I didn't have it. I didn't even have a phone. We had no cell phone. I didn't have a regular phone. We didn't have a phone line. We used a pay phone yep. at the hall, Sadler Hall, uh, floor five. I was in a trip. I was in a double. With three guys. Wow. So two guys and me in a double. What? Right? So yes. Three guys. And they had they had bunk beds, but it was truly a double. Oh, that I they see. stuffed the third person in. Gosh. He comes in. He's got this nice room. It's yeah. carpeted. He's got his own bathroom. His roommate's start, in the jacuzzi. She starts lugging in. We start <laughs> lugging in. I mean, you've never seen so much food in your life. Right. He doesn't. I got him a, a meal plan. Right. He doesn't even have to use it. He's got <laughs> microwaves. He's got a microwave. He had a TV. I didn't have a microwave. He no. had a TV. He's got a, a, a refrigerator's room. I didn't have a refrigerator in my room. I had nothing. Yeah. I had clothes and toiletries, and that's it. Yeah. And they don't believe that out there. I don't know how to prove it to them. My father's gone. I don't know how to. I, I brought a trunk of clothes and toiletries, and that was it. Yeah. It was un- two cars worth, Amazing. and we couldn't get one more thing in either car. That's how much stuff went into Jeez. this little this little dorm room at Lander Hall at the University <laughs> of Washington. Well, lights going around the top. What do you call those things? Oh, like uh, bistro lights? Uh, yeah, I don't know what they're called. I yeah, don't yeah. think they're called bistro lights. Oh. They, 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 Christmas lights? No, they're not Christmas lights. All right. They wouldn't be Christmas lights. Um, you know, ambiance lights that are purple. They they decorated. The, oh, they go oh up in those the are corners. LED lights. LED yes. lights. I put those up in Piper's room. They look great. I'm like, this yeah. guy is staying in the Four Seasons. He's making this room into the Four Seasons. <laughs> right. The Sultan of Brunei moved unbelievable. in all of a Mops and vacuums. <laughs> yeah. And I keep saying to them, he's not going to use any of this. She she had him with three three things of toilet cleaner. The ring around the rosy. Oh, you know, the, the, what? Three. I think we had three. Jeez. They're not going to do it one time. <laughs> right. They're college kids. They're not going to clean no. the toilet one time. Because no, you have to clean up your roommate. You don't want to clean up after him. Oh, so my no- God. I moved into the dorms in 1992 at Wenatchee Valley College, and I, I, we shared a vacuum for the entire floor. Yeah. Uh, there was payphones on the corners. Yeah. Yeah. I had a little tiny black and white TV that my mom pulled More out than of the I dumpster. Had. More than I had. And I had an, no TV. An old school Nintendo NES and a little boombox. I mean, that was it. I remember... That one of the great perks my sophomore year, I lived in a dorm my sophomore, the same dorm but a different floor. This time it was called a split double. I was in with one other person as a go. sophomore. Yeah. I remember I went there with my brown phone, speakerphone phone. Well, I had a phone line oh, in had, the room. Oh. That was the big thing my sophomore that's year. That's big time if you have your own huge, phone line. Yeah, huge. that's everything. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's your that's your whole connection to the outside world. That's no exactly internet, right. No nothing. Yeah. That's exactly. I yeah. just it was just the most amazing thing. But getting back to the emotions of the thing, I really expected to be really brought to tears, and I think 
I, I, I don't know. I, I think that there were some other things that kind of overpowered the sadness of it. Okay. I was kind of really happy for him, and, and I could see that he was – he was really thrilled to get from out of here, and he was he's he was so ready for this. Yeah, he's so ready for this chapter, well, and especially it just, being on quarantine. I mean, yeah. good lord, forget about it. I, I think, and at, at the at the end of the day, I think that I probably would have cried if I were getting on a plane. Ah. If he had gone to USC like we thought he was going to go, yeah. if he had gone somewhere in California, if he had gone to University of Michigan, or if he had gone to one of those other places, yeah. and after we moved him in, we said goodbye and then got on a plane, I think it would have been much more emotional. This whole thing about him being 20 minutes down the road. Yeah. And now, as I said to you before, a lot of my friends who have kids who go to Washington are like, you're going to see him less than the the family that sees the kid that's going to Los Angeles. <laughs> right. Yeah, they don't come home. You think they're 20 miles away. They don't come home. Yeah. You think yeah. they're going to come home for dinner? They're going to – I think he'll come home. He'll want to come home. We have to figure out COVID, yeah. but whatever. But just the fact that it was just right over there, I think, saved me the tears. If I was on a plane going – you know, sitting in the in the gate yeah. and getting on and yeah, then yeah. going and leaving him there, I think at that point I would have lost it. You might be driving by yourself one day and hear a song or something that's just going to set you off and you're going to start bawling in the car. I can see that happening. No, I'm not. Yeah, something will hit you. No, something because if you. I start bawling, I'll just go right onto the 520 bridge and go right over there. <laughs> and then he'll and not I'll just answer show his up. door. I'll be the father that's like roaming the hallways. <laughs> right. Dad, what are you doing With here? a 12-pack. Hey, boys, I'm here. Woo-hoo, party time. With my bucket of toiletries. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> anyway, I, it's just... You know, well, I mean, I'm so glad you said that you, you're you could step back and say that you were proud of him. You got to be proud of him, right? I mean, for for getting into a big school and well, yeah, that's, that's I, really I, a cool I, thing. I whispered you know? in his ear when we left, when we hugged, how proud of him I was, and so that's a big thing. Yeah, sure. But but even more than being proud, not not more than me, but additional to being proud of him, I was happy for him. Yeah, he just was ready sure. to live his own life a little bit. He doesn't need Mitch Levy, his dad, over his shoulder asking about homework and all this stuff. Right. I mean, he was done with that. He yeah. was done with that probably eight years ago. Right. So I think I think he just needed to be he, – he was ready to be out and about making his own decisions. Yeah. And I was happy for – and you could see that he radiated that. Good. And so that I think – that combined with the fact that it's just over the bridge. Sure. And I can threaten him that I'm going to – Cancel the meal call card if he doesn't have lunch with me every once in a while. Yeah. I just, I, I feel like he's just right there. So it, it saved me the tears. Your wife's trying to make him my size. He's going to be 300 pounds when he comes back. <laughs> a meal plan plus a Costco oh my God. load full of food. Good Lord. How many, um, what do they call it? Packet of noodles? No, what do they call uh, it? Top ramen or no. cu- cup of noodles? Cup of noodles. Oh, 40 of them, I think. <laughs> he has a we're meal. Bringing in, we're bringing in boxes and box from Costco. Oh, by- I didn't have one thing in my... I don't remember having no. one food item in my not, dorm room. Not one. My, my dad bought me a little canister of international coffee. It was called instant coffee. Oh, yeah. And it's I, like Sanka. Yeah. Like nice Sanka. It's instant. Yeah. And I think I drank it in four days, and yeah. then I was just out for the rest. Yeah. That's, that's what my dad sent me with. One thing of coffee. Oh that was it. God. No food. No nothing. Microwaves. No, no. None of that stuff. Unbelievable. No. What they're Sound going systems through. and all that. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. No. Computers, and I need adapters now, Dad. Let me go to the Apple store. How much is that oh. going to cost? $74. Yeah, they can walk to the Apple store. They can walk to the Apple oh, store. That's oh, that's no good. Oh, my God. Oh, God. You remember Eric Metcalf? The, the f- Of course. Eric Metcalf, I used to play. Bat- I remember his father, Terry Metcalf. Terry, right. right. So yeah. I used to play basketball with Eric once in a while. And he told me a funny story about Earl Campbell. Earl told Eric that when he got to college, he, yeah. goes, he goes, Eric, I'm not joking. When I showed up, I had two pairs of pants, 
a long pair for the winter and a short pair for the summer. <laughs> I always thought that was hilarious. Are you talking about us not having much? He literally said, yeah, I had two pair oh of pants. That was God. it. And these kids now, I mean, the LED lights. It's like, oh a, my it's like a skating rink in their rooms now, isn't it? It's the, like an the, arcade. The, the gizmos <laughs> and what to put on his bed so he can sit up and different pillows oh and, and mattress pads so and two, sit se- two sets of uh, uh, sheets. sheets. Oh. I mean, I, it's just, I'm, I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. I thought he's supposed to struggle a little bit. Yeah. You know, this is not supposed to be him. He's not supposed to love this so much that he never wants to come home again. <laughs> right. You want to make so. it miserable for him. But I just. Well, congrats to Max. I'm happy for him. That's awesome. I, I know how ready I was to get out. And, you know, you get handed a key. You have your own place now. You come and go as you want. And I remember going to visit my mom, uh, like, first semester. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock. I'm at her house. And my friends call and say, hey, we're, yeah. going, we're going up to Western. And I was like, awesome. Come get me. I tell my mom, hey, I'm, I'm taking off. She goes, no, you're not. It's too late. And I was like, you realize I have a key to a room across the Like, do you want me to drive home to my room that I live in? <laughs> but it's like that weird transition of it her, is. like, telling me I well, can't he, go out. He, here's another little one. <laughs> have you ever heard of Life 360? No. Okay, you're gonna. You probably have heard of other variations of it, or you're gonna hear of this one very shortly okay. when Piper gets her first real phone. Maybe she already has a phone, but whatever. When she starts going out and and driving, whatever. Life 360 is this program or this app that you put on your family's phones, so you know where the kids are and they know where you are. Gotcha. And you know, you, you you can you know. You, did that Disconnect, come off? Disconnected. <laughs> we went to look. We went, the first night. I can't we went to him. see. Okay, I wonder where Max is right now disconnected wow it's over i don't blame him it's over it's you're you're better off for it because you'll be looking at it what's he doing here no is he gonna make it home 18 it's it's exactly he's disconnected uh, i think he disconnected it when we closed the door on our way out (laughs) right he's done all right see you later it's off (laughs) he could have been in cleveland ohio right saturday night we would have no idea you would have no idea but he probably was so last we heard he was serious with Somebody, he had a girlfriend. Yeah. Is that still something that's I'm, happening? I don't know that I'm allowed to talk about that. Oh, really? You're okay, getting in well. trouble out there. You don't want to get me out. Tr- oh, I, out I just want to know if, if, if that's still a thing. There or... is a girl in the picture. Yes, she's okay. going to be, or she is a senior in high school. Okay. And uh, yeah, we're not sure exactly. We're not sure exactly where that's going or how that's going to how that's going to play into his freshman year at the University of Washington, but Some people are just is. wired that. I mean, I have a friend who lives in Buckley or Enumclaw, and, and he yeah. married his high school sweetheart. Yeah. They have three kids. They're still together. Yeah. And his son is still with his high school sweetheart. Okay. And they're t- okay. I, I, Some is, people are just wired that um, way. So, you Scott, know. this is not helping me. This conversation, this part of the conversation, you know, it's <laughs> right, not helping enough. me. You've got him getting, I just, I just moved him into the university. Now you got him getting married and having well, three children. Or, this or just, you know, okay. you might say like, well, don't you want to move, you know, be social and go out and see what's out there. But maybe Look, he's just that kind of kid who doesn't want it. Look, as I said to his mom over dinner the other night, I said, I just, you know, I like her. I like them. I want what he wants, whatever sure. he wants. I just hope that he lives the college experience. Yep. And that isn't necessarily a, 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 a commentary about girls or it's just I hope that he takes all of the college experience in and he doesn't allow that relationship to curtail even going out with the guy. Obviously, I guess you can't really, you know, the COVID thing, everything is different yeah, it's now. All but different, but I just want him to enjoy the hell out of these four years. Sure. However you define that. And I don't want any, I don't want any outside influences to, to, to get in the way of that. No, I agree. I mean, so was... I think there's a, there's a balance. Yeah. So hopefully he'll hit the right balance, but we will have no idea because Life360 has been disconnected. I hope he loves it. It was the best seven years of my life. He's going to totally, he's going he's to love it. I hope he loves it you like know, I did. You know what's pretty funny is I posted a lot of pictures on Twitter about Lander Hall and I, of his dorm and the whole thing yeah, yeah. and us moving in and how emotional of a day it was. 
it's funny because a lot of our listeners are like our age. Well, your age, yeah. my age. I guess they're not the same age. Telling me, oh, I used to live at Lander Hall. Yeah. It's not like he moved into a brand new dorm. Oh, right. I guess he moved into a renovated Lander Hall because a lot of the people said, oh, it doesn't look like the way it used to when I went there. But it's funny, you know, a lot of people immediately reacted by Lander Hall. That's where I used sure. to live. That's yeah. why it's cool that like, you go to the Steve frat Steve Dion lived in Lander Hall. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Look what became of him. That's right. <laughs> Big success. <clears throat> he's going to be replaced by Young from Twitter who has yeah. some ideas. Great <laughs> ideas, this Young. He, he's a can-do guy, Young. But you go to these frat houses and you see guys from the 50s and you know they, these frat houses have been around forever. School's been around a long time. You know, it's kind of yeah. cool. The yeah. history of it's kind of cool. Yeah. So, All right, we should him. get together on, on episode 110. I think people want to hear about the There was the a Seahawks. game, as a matter of there fact. There was a game. There was a game. There'll be three guests we'll hear from Brady Henderson courtesy of Taco Time he was obviously there to cover the game ESPN Seahawks insider we'll hear from Rick Neuheisel we have a special guest guest number three I read to you the story about the man who was pulled into the lake the canal by the alligator oh right yeah walking his dog all of a sudden chomped down on his knee and tries to pull him into the that guy lived to tell the story and he's on this episode 110 okay can't wait Hot Shot episode number 110 and we'll be talking a lot about the Seahawks 38-31 victory over the Dallas Cowboys to move to 3-0 and is brought to you by our partners, our sponsors like Evergreen Golf Call, evergreengk.com. Find out what Tyler Hayes' team does. Read their free newsletter. Start making the right decisions, which will be felt by your family for years to come. Evergreen Golf Call is a premier wealth manager in the Northwest located right here in Bellevue. Zeke's Pizza, lots of options during these crazy times. All 17 locations are now open. Two more are actually on the way, taking extra safe precautions, dining in. You can pick up at any Zeke's restaurant. Delivery has become Zeke's staple. Download the app. Pizza and growlers at your door in no time. Homegrown in the Northwest. Daniel's Broiler. Three of the four locations open. Bellevue Place, South Lake Union, and Leshy, which is still offering $40 bottles of Vouv Clicquot Champagne. Regularly $145 at the Leshy location. My family had a great meal on the deck at Leshy just a few weeks ago. A couple of steaks, salmon, ahi tuna, Daniel's Broiler, great for special occasions. Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses. And the Kirkland office of Gill Mortgage, 425-250-3150. Jordan Flowers texted me the other day that he's getting families as low as 2.6% standard rate reductions and 3% on cash-out refis. So stop giving money away each month and just get on the phone with Jordan or his team for like five to seven minutes and find out what you could be paying on your mortgage each and every month. This is episode 110 and it begins right now. Unfiltered. I'm a believer that before the offense goes out on the field for first down, that you look at the clock, you look at the score, you look at the timeouts left on both sides, you look at the job that your defense is doing against their offense, and you make some decisions, not just for the first down play, you make some decisions on how you want to do this. When I say this, I'm talking about the set of downs. Unfiltered. I don't know whether it's funny, whether it's interesting, whether it's ridiculous, or just a combination of all three about the owner Arthur Blank on Monday and Tuesday coming out publicly and saying I just don't think we knew the rules okay hold on a second did the owner of an NFL football team just say that we didn't our players didn't know the rules of an onside kick do you know the rules of an onside kick uh yeah did you play high school football uh yeah Mitch is unfiltered 
Okay, episode 110 is now underway. Your beloved Seahawks. You would have done better going to the ballet, Hotshot Scott, I tell you every week. No doubt. And somehow, some way, they survived the Dallas Cowboys. What was it, 38-31 to 31 on Sunday? They're yep. 3-0. and They survived DK Metcalf. All of our favorite DK Metcalf with a pacifier in his mouth. Acting kind of the part of somebody who would have a pacifier in his mouth, at least for for two seconds there, nonchalantly waltzing into the end zone and the guy knocking the ball out. They survived that somehow. They survived all kinds of injuries. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, we got to go through all the injuries. It's incredible how many guys got hurt. Hey, is uh, is Earl Thomas home? Uh, he might be home now. Now, now you keep asking me yeah. that every week. I guess maybe yeah. I should start considering is that. Is Earl career. around? Earl Thomas? Yeah, this is John Schneider from uh, Seattle Seahawks. God, is Jamal Adams serious? Is that groin serious? Well, I can tell you, having injured my groin a few times and been around him, it, it's debilitating. It hurts so badly. But but here's the thing: it doesn't it doesn't heal cleanly. You feel great, and you go, okay, I'm good, and then you, you do it again, like you so re-injure it. Lingers? It lingers. You re-injure it all the why time. Why was he not having? Why, why was I watching him on the sidelines without? I why wasn't he like in the locker room with ice on it or or being tended to so yeah. we can get him ready to play? Why was he waltzing up and down the sidelines rooting for his teammate if he had a if he had a bad groin? I don't know. There's much you can do for it. You have to just stay off it. Can't put ice on it. Well, I guess you could, but I don't know. That that area is a little sensitive, last I checked, so you might want to stay away from the icy hot and that kind of thing down there. Oh, yeah, it's a tough one. You have to, they'll just tell you to stay off it. A lot hey, of injuries. Jamal Adams, like, they're used to, I said on Twitter, they're using him like a rental car. Like, how long do we think this was going to last until he got hurt? Blitzing him all the time and the cover. I mean, they were using the shit out of that guy. We saw this coming, right? I don't know that I saw injuries coming, but they mean, got, they've, I, got to, they've got to play a certain way to get pressure yeah. on the quarterback. That means bringing five, six, seven guys. That means bringing safeties. That means finding different creative ways to get to the quarterback. You can't just rush four and three every time. And, and just at one point I tweeted out, are they playing a game where they have to go to five Mississippi before they start? <laughs> right in the backyard. <laughs> one Mississippi, two yeah. Mississippi. And we always had the kid who couldn't say it. One Mississippi. <laughs> I always wanted to play quarterback against that kid. The one, and the Never other, gave me a pass rush. The other guy that goes, one Mississippi, two Mississippi. It's <laughs> yeah, like, no, 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 no. And a lot of people went Mississippi. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. No, 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 no. There's, next, there's an extra two syllables. There sure is, Mississippi, yeah. right. Now, this is me not trying to sound like Debbie Downer, but it feels like another year, like last year, where they're just not good enough to win the Super Bowl because of the defense. All right, do you have any? Well, we've talked about this. Okay, but do you still feel, do you, is this me kind of overreacting? Is there a scenario where they can get better short of trading for J.J. Yeah. J. Watt? Yeah, I think what mutes everything I'm about to say to answer that question okay. are the injuries. Yeah. Brooks is hurt now. Adams, I don't know how injured, I don't know how serious any of these injuries are, but all kinds of guys are coming out of the game and they're losing guys left and right. They lost two guys the week previous. So I can't speak to that part of it. But there was actually a period, and I laugh at myself because there was a period in the game on Sunday against the Dallas Cowboys. First of all, let's let's call Dallas what they are. Dallas is a team that's ultra talented, whether you like Dak Prescott or not. They're ultra talented at the skilled positions. Okay. 
Dak's going to be a $40 million a year quarterback, and he's had some great, great games, and he had a great game last week against the Falcons. He had a great game this week against the Seahawks, threw for over 400 yards. Uh, so if you're Jerry Jones, are you still paying him? Like, yeah, did, I, I don't think you have a choice. Okay, that's You don't want to start asking. looking for new quarterbacks okay. now right. at this point. So he will get okay, that. He's, 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 he's at least really good. Some would say he's better than really good. I think he's just really good, but he's really good. So we're talking skill positions. Ezekiel Elliott, although he didn't have a great game on Sunday, no, he didn't. he's about as good as they come mm-hmm. as a running back. They've sure. got low of young receivers. They've got Amari Cooper. They've got the new Lamb. Lamb. They've got the tight end. They've got a lot of skill positions to really put pressure on you if you're a kind of a Swiss cheese offense, a defense. Now, their offensive line, somebody was commenting that, you know, their defensive line played better than their secondary. You, I, I think you even responded to that tweet where you worry about the defensive line and yet on Sunday, it was the other way around. Right. It was a secondary that was getting beat. Well, their offensive line, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, was makeshift, was the probably the most makeshift offensive line you're going to run into all year. Yeah. If you can't if you can't do well against that offensive line, there is no offensive line in the NFL that Ugh. you are going to you are not going to do well against any. And as a result, I thought I was talking to you about this before we started to record. Yep. I thought that there was a stretch of the game where I was I was pleased and pleasantly surprised with the Seahawks defense and their productivity and I wrote it down for you. With 605 to go in the second quarter, the Cowboys scored a touchdown. 605 to to go in the second quarter. Okay. Okay. Their next four possessions, Shaq interception, end of the half, the first or second play of the second half was that fumble or interception that Jaron Reed right. caused by getting in there. And Mayoa, I think, ended up with the ball yep. in his hands. Down to the four or so. And then it wasn't a three and out, but it was a punt the following. So four straight possessions, that was what enabled to them, that's when it, what enabled the Seahawks to take that nice, big, comfortable lead that we all thought was going to be good enough. Yep. I think we thought that was going to be good 30 enough. 30 to 15, if I remember correctly. 30 to 15. Yep. That's when you wrote what? At 3.36, I was taunting Cowboy fans, and I just hashtag let Dak cook because he just looked like crap. He's bouncing the ball. started the taunting. You thought that that was a good idea, huh? Yeah, he just like – I think he threw one off – Ezekiel Elliott couldn't catch anything. He just looked out of it. Yeah. So I was taunting him, let Dak cook. You started taunting with 10 minutes and 34 seconds ago in the third quarter. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I wrote the following tweet. I actually tweeted out a picture of myself. Okay. Sitting in this chair with this microphone, and I wrote – Still lots of game left, dot, dot, dot. This is after they went 0 for 4 in four possessions, and the Seahawks built that lead. Lots of game left, dot, dot, dot. But the obnoxious podcast host that was begging for Ken Norton to do more and for this defense to be just okay is getting his wish and then some. Double jinx. A double jinx right there as with you and I. As soon as I hit send... <laughs> On that tweet, <laughs> they couldn't stop you, me, and guys in the parking lot. Crazy, right? They just went down the field. They could not stop Dak, and that's when people started to even get hurt. Brooks came off the field. Adams came off the field. And before you knew it, we had a hell of an issue on our hands. Speaking of Ken Norton, did, you, did it feel like – who's the defensive coordinator? Is it Mike Nolan for the Cowboys, maybe? But did it feel like the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys adjusted at half – and Ken Norton Jr. maybe didn't adjust at all. Well, they had a lot more success. They they bottled up the Seahawks offense a little bit in yeah. that second half. So Felt I guess like if you want to call it 
halftime adjustments than call it halftime adjustments. But yes, there was a period there where the Seahawks had no momentum offensively, but when they needed it most, yeah, when they needed it most, when they needed number three most, ah. throw that long touchdown to DK Metcalf. He threw how many touchdowns? He threw five, five, yeah. five more touchdowns. Yeah. He's the first Seahawk to have back-to-back five touchdown passing games ever. Are we sure he didn't throw six touchdowns? <laughs> he, sure, he sure did throw six. He did. It's going to say five on the sheets. He freaking threw six touchdowns. He's got 14 touchdowns right. in three games. It should be 15 easily. And he's got one interception, and that was off of Greg Olson's hands in yes, week number two. That's exactly so right. So he's literally almost been perfect. He's, he should have 15 touchdowns and no interceptions the first three weeks of the season. That's exactly right? right. Yep. Yeah, and then, is that stat still going where when Russell has the lead at home by four or more at halftime, he's never lost? Did you hear that? Is that, is that right? Yeah, I, I tweeted it. Oh, you did? Maybe okay. You, you, I think you got it from me. I got it from Max. Well, Max got it from some website. He they said, said it on the on the broadcast. Oh, did they really? Yeah, yeah. I think the I think the stat that I saw, maybe this isn't the one that you saw, okay. when the Seahawks lead by four or more at halftime. At home. Oh, it's at home? I, I don't know that to be true. Maybe I heard it wrong. Okay, I think Max said overall. Really? Four or more at halftime. They are 54-0 and 0 since 2012. Amazing. So under Russell Wilson. Amazing with a four point lead at half. Four point. All you got to have is a four point lead or more. People were pissed when I when I sent that out too. <laughs> that last that almost cost us on that last play that, that where Dak almost got tackled, stayed on his feet somehow. I like, just the, the world stopped and I I just he was going to throw a touchdown course, pass. Right if there. I could have yeah. hit pause and said, okay, is he going to make a touchdown? Incomplete interception. You probably would have taken touchdown. It just felt like that's how the Request game was going. Request for Benson Mayoa, who was the guy who had him. Yeah, that's two weeks in a row. Can we? Yeah. If you're going to get there, you might as well take the guy down. It'd be nice. Did the same thing with Cam Newton. Cam Newton wiggled away. Yeah. Yeah, let's 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 bring him down to the turf. But yeah. those two quarterbacks are not your typical easy quarterback to take down. And to be fair to Benson Mayo, I mean, they're a couple of good athletes right there. They should be able to take Dak Prescott down. Okay, you have fine. a free shot at him. He should. Yeah, but I, oh yeah. Touchdown. It's a touchdown. I would have bet anything it's a touchdown. It was one of those things where everything slowed down when he got away, and then he started to roll out and throw, and I was like, Everything slowed down to like slow motion. I yep. was like, no. <laughs> I know. Totally. Yep. The and then some guy I have never heard of. Here I am talking about the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. I'm supposed to know all these guys in the Seahawks. Some guy I have literally never heard of comes up with an interception to save the day, and the Seahawks win 38 Are you talking about Ryan Neal? Yes. <laughs> I had no idea who he was either. By the way, you got to give it up to the young guys at, at the end. Sha- Shaquem Griffin, who I'm so happy is – off the practice squad. Made a great play like on a... He made a couple of nice plays. Yeah. Okay. He yeah. come... Alton Robinson, his first NFL game ever. Out of? I know, of Syracuse. Out I'm of? Familiar da, with him. Ryan Neal off the practice squad gets a pick. Good for the good for the young guys. Alton Robinson. Yeah, no, I was happy Can about I that. Can I just talk about hey, Alton Robinson? I'll take it. A couple of two, three plays in Alton Robinson. I, I even saw an L.J. Collier play citing in the first half. Early on, he had a yeah. nice play. But the question is, how much do you want – and not, I'm not talking about Alton Robinson. I'm more talking about L.J. Collier. If we see L.J. Collier make a play, and he plays 70 plays – how much do we want to go all? And I, this isn't—I I don't mean to be disrespectful to LJ Collier. He's probably okay. a great guy, and maybe he's going to be a great football player. Maybe he's not. But we—we we have such a low bar now. 
We see a guy make one play. Totally. We forget that, okay, where was he the other 69? <laughs> At the end of the game, if you'd asked and they, me. And, they, and the other team had 700 total yards, <laughs> and we're all excited over one time we saw him break up a screen pass or yeah. something. At what point do you like, okay, we need to see more than one over 70? And that's not just about Collier. No, that's about anybody else. It's so game. true. At the end of the game, if you'd asked me, I'd have gone, oh, LJ Collier had a hell of a game. <laughs> Collie remembers that one play. <laughs> okay. He had a hell of a game. We've put off the inevitable long enough. Yeah. I've got two two words. Okay. Trey Flowers. I, I don't know what to say. Can we be done? Can we please be done? He can't catch the ball when he's laying on his ass. No, hold he on. can't cover anybody. Go back to that. He can't tackle anybody. He, when he's got them in for a loss, he lets them go. He can't cover anybody. I mean, come he, on. He can't drop a pass correctly. <laughs> yeah, he, he kicked it up in the air okay. for the receiver. Forget catch it. That's a, I'm not even worried about it. He can't correctly drop a pass without it going into the other team's hands. I hate to be tough on the guy, but wow, did he. And we get on the other side of the oh. Trey Flowers era. Is there anybody else? Quentin Dunbar was a late scratch. They said he was he was likely to play on Thursday and Friday. He was dealing with an injury. I don't know. If it's not Quentin Dunbar, is there anybody else? Well, anybody yeah. else? How about Amadi? Amadi plays well. I think he's a star. He, he, I think he plays well as the slot guy, I as agree. the nickel guy. Do we want to try him on the outside? I can't. I'm sorry. I hate to be the Debbie Downer, and I and I always used to say to myself when we went in for the morning shows after wins, be careful, Mitch. I used to like talk to myself on that drive-in at 5.45 in the morning. Yeah. I used to say to myself, be careful, Mitch. They won. Don't be don't sure. be harping on the negatives. And I had trouble doing it. And a lot of people didn't like our shows after wins because they thought that I harped on it. So I don't want to get too far down the Trey Flowers road, but I just can't watch it anymore. I know. I can't watch it anymore. I, I zoom- He's terrible. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Well, I mean, <laughs> he is horrendous. <laughs> yeah. They've got to have something better than Trey Flowers, even when Quentin Dunbar doesn't play. There's got to be another alternative to this guy. He's terrible. I watch him. He starts out, he's six or seven yards off the ball to begin with. Now, it, I would prefer him come up and play tough man, little yeah. bump and run, and get, yeah. get beat for a 60-yard touchdown. At least he's trying. Yeah. At least he's being aggressive. Yeah. But just to play seven yards off, the guy catches it. Six, I don't even know why he – who's coaching him to do that? If you watch him, he's like six or seven. That soft coverage of his, I, I, I don't understand it. It's okay. not working. They, they take a 38-31 lead. Thanks to the second opportunity for the two-point conversion. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Did they need those two points? Yeah. Did you want to go into that last drive uh, up, no. up five? <laughs> okay, did they need those two points? Huge. Oh, my God, did they need those two points? They got a second chance at it. Shoddy called a great little a little bootleg play action, misdirection. They got the tight end. Uh, it was great. They take a seven-point lead. Okay, I want to ask you some serious questions. Okay. Now. Dallas gets the ball. There's all the time they had. All, they had all the time they needed. Two minutes, three timeouts, whatever. Yep. They had gone down the field umpteen times in a row since my tweet. Okay. Yeah. Did you think they were going down to score seven? Yep. You were. You were. You were sure that they were going to score. Yep. Were you of the opinion they would then kick the point to tie, or they go for two for the win? I thought they were going to go for two if they oh scored a touchdown. God. Ballet. That's what I thought. Ballet. Mikhail Baryshnikov, I need, I, I could not, I don't think my heart could have stood that. Like I said, when Dak threw that one, the, the one that was intercepted, I yeah. thought, this is it, this is the touchdown, and now I got to sit here and sweat out a two-point two conversion, conversion for the win. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, my yeah. God. I know. Is this what it's going to be every week, or, 
Or are New England and, and, and uh, Dallas, are they just good offenses? Well, you know, part of me thinks the Falcons have a good offense. They've got good skill position people and a good quarterback. And the Dallas Cowboys have good skill position and a good quarterback. But then you see the Patriots come in here with Cam Newton new to the system and, and really wide receivers outside of Julian Edelman that I've never heard of. And they lit the, lit the scoreboard up. It just may be one of those years where Russell Wilson is going to be superhuman, maybe the MVP award winner. He's yeah. going to throw for 5,000 yards or close to 5,000 yards. He's going to throw for like 40 touchdowns, and they're going to need every last one, and every game is going to be a nail-biter. I, I, I think, you know, if they could get somewhat healthy, I don't know how healthy they're going to be, but I, you would think – there were again, there were stretches. There was that one stretch where they played pretty well. I think the Seahawks – so the what did we decide? The Cowboys had 15 points with 10 minutes to go in the third quarter. Isn't that right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so think about that. Had I said to you before the game started with an over-under of what – and by the way, how the over-under look? Oh, I was rooting for the under big time. <laughs> I know, because you predicted the under <laughs> was going right. to be. But if I had said to you before the game, before the game started, if I had offered you the Cowboys will have 15 total points with 10 minutes to go – in the third quarter, yeah. you probably would have taken that. Oh, yeah, I would take Well, I mean, uh, not, I, not definitely. Well, I kept I mean, hearing track it's me. Still a, track it's still me. a pace for almost 30. Yeah. Still a pace for almost All 30. Right. But still, it just seemed like the Seahawks' defense was doing a good enough job. They were what I asked for. Okay. Right. They were go to the lottery and, and, and pick two out of the six numbers and win a billion dollars. <laughs> they were okay. They were okay enough. They made some plays. They got some pressure. They made an interception, a couple interceptions. They were yeah. okay. Yeah. And then, like that, they couldn't stop anybody, like a sieve. But what could I tell you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough one. I, I, I feel like I'm going to have to sweat out every game. Like, I I'm, I'm need to rehydrate over here. I'm sweating, I was sweating it out so hard. Well, I'll tell you this, that I'll go back to April 2nd, a USA. I'm going to read to you a little piece in USA Today uh, sports section okay. on April 2nd, 2020. Okay. A little story in the sports section of the USA Today read, the Dallas Cowboys sign Alden Smith. I tweeted that out. I tweeted out, this seems like the perfect Seahawk. And then someone writes back, you ever heard of Antonio Brown? April 2nd, the Dallas Cowboys, I'm reading from the USA Today, signed former All-Pro defensive end Wednesday night, Alden Smith, Smith and Dallas agreed to terms on a one-year deal worth up to $4 million. Oh. $2 million base salary with an additional $2 million worth of incentives based on a sack count. Okay. They're giving the guy $2 million guaranteed. That's what they signed. That guy had, did he have three on Sunday? I did I he have four? Three. Yeah. Okay, he had at least three at on least Sunday. Three, yeah. Could they use him? Could the Seahawks use him? What team knows more about Alden Smith than the Seahawks? He was a killer was on the killer. Niners. I know he had a year with the Raiders, then he had a, a, a domestic thing in 2018. Yeah, a couple domestic things. Yeah, yeah. okay, but that was maybe two years ago. Maybe that's the reason. They, they well, weren't interested. I don't know. Maybe that's the reason. They, they bring in people who have troubled pasts. Yes, they do. That's kind of what they do. Yes, they do. Uh, clearly, it's good enough for Jerry Jones. Good enough for Jerry Jones. Right, he, he don't mind, does he? He didn't mind the no. three sacks against Russell Wilson the other day. Oh, that's I, for sure. Alden Smith, I thought he was out of my life after the Niner run, and here he is just torching this. He was destroying right. the so Seahawks. So to answer your question, which I never answered, which is are you going to have to sweat this these high-scoring shootout right. down to the last minute every single week? Allow me to wait one more week to answer that question. What will you know then that you don't know now? Well, in a week from now, 
We will be talking about a game between the Seattle Seahawks and the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> Fitzmagic? That's right. <laughs> okay, who won on Thursday. Big win for the Dolphins. Look at them. fine. Look at them. Most boring Thursday night game in the history I think of football. If we are sweating, if the Seahawks defense is giving up 30, 32, 34, 38, 35 to the Dolphins next week, yeah, I think we'll have, have a little chat at that oh, point. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You got anything else over there on the Seahawks? What do you got? Well, Lockett. Let's talk about Lockett. Cra- crazy game. Three touchdowns. Right. 100 yards receiving. I, I was, like I said, I was on the Cowboys Wide open all day. board. They're like, is he playing by himself out there? Can anyone cover Lockett? Like, they were just furious. What, what are you, what, what's it with you and the opposing team's bulletin board? I like to read what they're saying to see if, yeah. if they're watching the same game as I am. What'd they say about DK Metcalf when he... And by the way, can, can, can we just stop... I just wanted to throw something at my TV. Okay. The whole, what a heads-up play by Trevon Diggs. If I read that once, if I heard that once, I heard it a thousand times. What a heads-up play by the rookie who punched the ball. Okay. Can we just go over some facts? Sure. Before we give him all the credit in the world for doing what he did. Okay. Fact number one. He was burned by about seven yards. (laughs) Yeah, he was burned. Okay. He was schooled on that play. Yeah. Fact number two. Every player in the history of football, every corner or every defensive back that gets beaten like that where the guy's going in for a touchdown and you're yep. racing tries to punch the ball or strip the ball from behind. That's exactly okay? right. They made it out to be like this guy <laughs> invented a new move, a defensive move, okay? So you put those two things together and, okay, I'm not giving the guy any credit. I'm not, I'm not making the guy out to be some sort of a hero because he was a – it took DK Metcalf to slow down – and kind of watch himself on the video board yeah. for this ever to happen. And all that the defensive player did was get burned by seven yards and then try a maneuver that every person before him in the history of football has tried. It's their so, instinct, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Let's maybe not give him that much credit. Maybe they were just impressed because, well, DK clearly didn't know where he was on the field, so maybe they were impressed that this guy actually knew. Because you could have been fooled. If, if, I, if I'm covering you and I see you slow down, I'm like, oh, maybe he's in. So maybe that's it. By the way, weird that Leon Lett was on, on the other sideline. I remember. Who was it? Uh, Don Beebe. Don Beebe. Yeah, yeah, did that in the Super Bowl. Super, Super Bowl, Bowl, yeah. Ran him down. Yeah. And Leon Letts on the Cowboys uh, Ran sideline. him down. Celebrating. He got the ball out. <laughs> Life in the... But the Ran two guys you could think of that have done that, like lately. Dallas. Well, late, on, lately? <laughs> on the same field. Well, who's done it? Like you could think of. 50 years ago, lately? Besides Lett. Right I mean, now, there are people in our audience going, Don who? Leon who? <laughs> well, yeah. How old is this guy? He's the one that comes to mind, though, when you think of yeah. somebody celebrating. Or yeah. maybe Deshaun Jackson had one. Where yeah, he dropped it's it. happened. It's but happened. Just, what I remember, and I don't think it's the same thing, was that there was a there was an, a Thanksgiving Day game between the Dolphins and the Cowboys in the snow in Dallas. Okay, and something happened on a kick on a field goal by Pete Stoyanovich. Yeah, <laughs> Stoyanovich <laughs> trying the field goal, and something happened where the ball was sliding around, and a Dallas Cowboy came flying in. I think it was maybe Leon Lett still. Yeah, it may have been him also. Just decided he wanted to recover it. He didn't have to. T- the Cowboys didn't have to do anything but just not touch it. And the guy comes flying in, and the Dolphins recover it, and they scored and won the game. Really? Yes. I don't remember you that. You don't remember that? That's crazy. In the snow on Thanksgiving Day. <laughs> but that was a little bit different. But DK Metcalf, the fact that they're able to win a game that he did that in, that they yeah. gave away a touchdown, 
curious that they were still able to win the game. My guess is he will never do something like that again. I would agree. I would put money How down hard on that should right we now? come down on DK Metcalf? Because he's turning in front of our own eyes, he's turning into kind of a Pro Bowl level wide receiver. You, you he's obviously awesome. You won't be able to come down any harder on him than he is on himself. I guarantee you that. I'm and sure. Because they won. <sighs> and he, not, had, he had the game winner, too. And by he had the, way. the game winner. That doesn't hurt. Yeah. yeah. Do you think the pass protection was good today? I thought it was pretty decent considering. Well, he got sacked a lot of times, but a lot of them were coverage sacks right. where he was holding the ball for a long time. I thought the protection was shockingly. We, we, we lost Chris Carson again. We haven't even talked about that. Yeah, I've We've lo- on that. We lost the rookie guard. We haven't talked about that. Injuries, injuries, injuries. I'll check it out with Brady Henderson uh, on this episode in our next segment. Did you think the Chris Carson thing was dirty? The way he held his leg and then kind of rolled over. Rolled him? It felt dirty to me. It was, maybe I'm alone on that because I'm a Seahawks uh, fan. I don't know. You played. You played. I, I didn't play. I don't remember. I don't. I, I don't remember thinking as I watched the highlight. Oh my god, that was a cheap shot. Well, he was down. The play was I over. Hope it's not serious. I, I know. Hasn't even hurt like three out of four seasons. I think it's hurt. Well, all the last time. year, yeah. definitely last year. I, I hope it's not a serious injury. That Carlos Hyde pickup though is looking pretty good by John Schneider. Pretty good. He's a solid tailback. If Chris Carson's an A minus, what's what's Hyde? B minus. I mean, that's a pretty good replacement. So yeah, we'll see. Let's get Brady Henderson in here to update us on the health of all these guys. Let's get Rick Neuheisel to talk about the return of Pac-12 football, ladies and gentlemen. They're going to play seven games in the Pac-12. How about that? Love it. Washington's going to play seven games. Washington is just seven games away from the National (laughs) Championship of College Football. Finally. And we'll have the man who was drug in, who was dragged in. Oh, What's the word? Dragged? Drug? I I would have said drug in, but who knows? I went to BCC. Pulled in. He was pulled into the water. He was pulled in the water by, a, by a, an alligator while walking his dog in Port St. Lucie, Florida. All right? I, I, I can't even imagine what that would be like to be pulled underwater. It really is he like... He wasn't pulled underwater. Well, he's he, pulled towards the water. Yeah, That's pulled, good yeah. enough for me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm being pulled toward the water. Nothing to hold on to. <laughs> the gator grabbed oh. him by the knee and yanked him and tried to oh, yank him in. Gosh. Rough. Good for him. He's tougher and how than did him. He, and how did he get out of it? What did I tell you last week? I think he went to the eyes, like yes. the Three Stooges. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's timely, by the way. You're talking about me talking about Leon Lett. Who the hell knows what the Three Stooges are? Jeez, Wasn't Leon Lett one of them? I think he might have been. <laughs> In Dallas, he was. All right, episode 110 with three guests and then the other stuff segment. Our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered, the CEO of the incredibly busy partner of ours, Evergreen Golf, called Tyler Hay. Tyler, every time I turn around, I see an article in the Puget Sound Business Journal about exciting things happening at your place. What's going on over there? Yeah, Mitch, we just recently acquired a accounting firm, actually Mercer Island based. They've been in business for over 40 years. We just thought that adding an accounting piece to what we do on the wealth management side would make us kind of a one-stop shop for clients. And people like simplicity these days, so we thought it would help simplify people's lives. Did I also read, Tyler, about a fund that you guys raised to invest in local Puget Sound technology companies? Yeah, we also did that. There was uh, an article we invested in a... um, in a local firm called Fuse. They're a venture capital uh, fund that invests in local tech startups. And so we created a partnership with them. And actually, Bobby Widener, the Seahawks, is involved with that. And there's a pretty cool article on ESPN for your listeners who want to do some light reading. They can find it. And it's exciting. We're, we're excited to be a part of, of what they're doing. Every time I talk to Tyler Hay in person, I almost feel like I'm, I'm speaking with somebody who knows more about sports than I do. So let's get some picks from you. The NFL season is here. The NBA's postseason is revved up. I want an NBA champion 
and a, a Super Bowl champion. Stick your neck out for once in your life, Tyler Hay. All right. Uh, I'll go with uh, – I know I know he's not a love guy by all, all your listeners, but I'll go with LeBron and the Lakers in the NBA. Sorry to disappoint those that are LeBron haters. And then I like the hometown. I like the Hawks. Oh, I think they're going to make on. a run. I know oh, it's a homer stop pick. It. No. Oh, my God. Hey, 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 Mitch, they're 18-1. to 1. Find me better Super Bowl odds than that. Okay. All right, 18-1 to 1 on the Seahawks. And as always, we like to say the first step to learning about all the great work that happens at Evergreen Golf Call is the website, evergreengk.com, and the free newsletter, correct? That's the way to do it. Yep, we appreciate all your support too, Mitch. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager here in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Wilson. Wide open for the touchdown is Lockett. Tyler Lockett has his third of the game with that makeshift offensive line at second and eight. The line holds up. Gallup has got it for the touchdown. Touchdown, Dallas. And Zerline knocks it through. Cowboys on top by one. Just get it away before the play clock expires. Wilson looking for somewhere to go. This one is caught for the touchdown, Metcalf. Prescott is able to stay up to the end zone. It is picked. Seahawks take over. Showing by the offense. Um, We just thought they did a fantastic job today. Russ has just been so sharp and, and able to to maintain uh, his poise throughout you know, with, with some rush today. This is a good good rushing crew, and uh, he found his receivers. He made some plays, made some great throws, and the receivers came through. Tyler Lockett had a, just a, a career game today, just catching touchdown passes everywhere. We've got areas all over the place that we got to get better at. we got a lot of work to do on our, on our pass defense. Uh, it continues to be a problem. The third down thing is not good enough, and, and uh, I know it's terrible for the fans. They're all you know, you know tearing their hair out and all that. But, you know, I always tell you, man, you guys suck it up. <laughs> this is the way it is. And uh, this is the way we do it. And, and uh, I, I know this sounds kind of sick, but I kind of like it like that. Continuing to pick up the pieces of the Seahawks' 38-31 win over the Cowboys on Sunday, Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks insider, was one of the very few at CenturyLink to witness the shootout. He and all other football interviews are presented by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. That reminds you, order ahead and have your meal waiting for you just inside the front door of your desired location. Brady, I'm not sure that as Russell Wilson and Brian Schottenheimer continue to pile up all these TD passes, what is it, 14 now in three games, 14 touchdowns in three games? That's right. That's right. I don't think they realize just how many free tacos (laughs) they are costing the fine residents of the Pacific Northwest. We, We all wanted Russ to you know what the c word i don't say the c word but this is crazy 38 points and yet another tuesday where i'm going to lunch and paying for my entire meal at taco time this is blasphemy can't they push one run in there can't they give give chris carson a you know throw him a bone a little bit yeah, I think there there may be an investigative story to do here because it, it turned maybe it turns out that Taco Time was behind the whole <laughs> let Russ cook thing, knowing that they would wouldn't have to give up any free tacos if Russell Wilson was throwing oh, all the touchdown passes. Gosh. 
Wow. 14 touchdown passes, and it should be 15 if DK Metcalf doesn't do what he does. 14 touchdown passes in three games, Brady. Unbelievable. Yeah, and I remember last year at the start of the season hearing from Pete Carroll, hearing him say that this was the best start that Russell Wilson has ever gotten off to. And now he has exceeded that by a wide margin. 14 touchdown passes in three games. Sets the record set by Patrick Mahomes two years ago with 13 touchdown passes, which was at the time the most for a player through his first three games of any season in NFL history. Russell has 14, and like you said, he should have had 15 if not for that almost Leon Lett Esque play by DK Metcalf. And we all remember the Super Bowl uh, a number of years ago when Leon Lett was crossing the goal line and started celebrating early, and the Bills receiver came and poked the ball out. It, this was not quite that. It, it, he didn't have it exposed quite as much, but it was exposed enough for the guy to, uh, for Trayvon Diggs to come and poke it out yeah. for a touchback. And really, uh, I think in a sign of maybe you could call it the resolve that DK Metcalf has. He ends up scoring the game-winning touchdown after a blunder that I'm sure was just mortifying to him. Did you guys get a chance to talk with DK Metcalf? Has anybody heard from him and and his reaction to what was a crazy day at CenturyLink for him? We did not, which is just kind of the nature of how these post-game Zoom conferences work. You know, in a normal setting, we would be able to go and talk to him in the locker room, but now we're kind of at the mercy of whichever players the team makes available, and this was obviously such a crazy game that there were so many players to talk to. So we didn't hear from DK. We did hear from Russell Wilson, who, you know, pretty bluntly said there's no excuse for that, and DK knows it. And he also said that he told DK after that play that in typical Russell Wilson positive outlook fashion – told him that he was going to end up making a play later in the game, and he did. And Pete Carroll kind of said the same thing, that that was a terrible play and a hard lesson for him to learn. But he said that he was not surprised that DK bounced back the way he did just because that's kind of what he's shown to do. And it's sort of reminiscent, maybe not to the same degree, but sort of reminiscent of what happened in the opener in week one in Atlanta when he had that wide-open drop, and you saw Russell Wilson go right back to him on that same drive. He converted a big third-down play. So whatever has happened, whatever the blunders he's made so far, has not lost the confidence in Russell Wilson. You saw Wilson go to him again Sunday with the game on the line. Brady, you want me to entertain you a little bit? You want to have some fun with numbers? Let's do it. 2020 paces the pace that the three guys are on for 2020 if they keep going at this at this rate Russell Wilson is on a pace for 4,933 yards passing 74 touchdowns and five interceptions (laughs) Tyler Lockett is on a pace for 128 receptions 1,381 yards and 21 touchdowns there we go and pedestrian DK Metcalf is on a pace for 64 receptions 1,584 yards, 16 touchdowns, and five drops at the one-yard line on his way in <laughs> for five more touchdowns. And, oh, by the way, the Seahawks are on a pace for 16-0. Not bad. Yeah, that'll, that'll do. <laughs> that'll do if they could keep up those pace. All right. I guess the co-storyline to the win over the Cowboys 38-31 on Sunday has to be the piling up of the injuries, not only around the league, but with the Seahawks. Uh, Adams went out. Carson went out. Brooks went out. Lewis went out. Others went out and came back in. Do you have any sense? I know it's still early on the severity, the length of time, any inside information on how long these guys will be missing. 
I did hear on one of those injuries, in addition to what Pete Carroll told us afterwards, and what I heard just from talking to somebody close to this situation is that initial indications, and I can't stress that enough, initial indications are that Carson, Chris Carson, appears to have dodged a bullet. He went down late in the game when he got tackled awkwardly and, and he twisted his knee. Pete Carroll called it a knee sprain afterwards. And again, from what I heard, initial indications that looked like he dodged a bullet. Now, you got to take that with a grain of salt because Pete Carroll said that initial indications last week were that Bruce Irvin had only a sprained knee and it turned out to be a, a torn ACL. So, again, okay. take that for what it's worth. But that's what I've heard on Carson. Jamal Adams, Pete Carroll called that a, a groin strain, and he really didn't have any specifics on the severity of that or of Carson's injury or of the knee sprain that Jordan Brooks suffered, uh, which did caused him to miss the rest of the game, as it did for all those other guys. Along with Damian Lewis, who sprained his ankle early in the game, did not return. Pete Carroll did say that x-rays were negative on that, so that appears to not be a break, but just a sprain. But at any rate, I yeah. mean, this has been an issue throughout the NFL, and the yeah. Seahawks have been hit as hard as, as I think a lot of teams so far. Well, now they certainly have. By the way, did we know? I mean, we thought that there was a chance Dunbar wouldn't play, although we were optimistic about it, and Hill didn't go. He was he was a scratch. Those two surprise you at game time on Sunday? Both of them, yeah. And Quentin Dunbar was listed as questionable, but Pete Carroll really sounded optimistic on Friday that he would be able to play with Lano Hill. According to the team, he woke up, Sunday with soreness in his hip and was not able to go so that was a surprise because he was not on the injury report but we heard from John Schneider in the pregame show on the radio before and from Pete Carroll afterwards saying that he woke up sore and that's why he was was inactive despite not being on the injury report so just issues all across the board uh, and they seem to be concentrated mostly on that defense and it's amazing that they were able to win that game despite all the guy all the all the firepower that they were missing by the end of it right I guess I should ask, and I'm embarrassed to do so, who the hell is Ryan Neal? It's not Ryan O'Neal, the actor, <laughs> is it? Who, who, who Brady Henderson in the world is Ryan Neal that comes up with a big interception? I, I guess I should know who these guys are that are making big plays, game-saving plays for the Seahawks. Well, now you can be forgiven for not knowing his name because he just got promoted from the practice squad the day before the game and really for game day depth because – you know, Dunbar was listed as questionable. Nico Thorpe was also questionable and did not play. So they needed depth at, at defensive back. And he's a guy who's played cornerback and safety for them. Uh, he was playing safety after taking over for Jamal Adams and really came up with the game-saving play to be an unlikely hero. This is a guy who was undrafted in 2018 out of Southern Illinois, I believe, and <laughs> bounced between practice wow. squads and the active roster over the last two seasons, I think at Philadelphia and Atlanta, and then spent some time with Seattle last season. And he was saying afterwards that, you know, he was one of the players that they made available. And he was saying that he's been on the, you know, proverbial fringe of NFL rosters for so long that he had started to question himself whether or not he was going to make it and started to wonder about what life after football might be like and whether or not he had to start thinking about that now. But he comes up with the big play, and it's wow. kind of, it's just a, a testament to how it is in the NFL. Injuries are such a prevalent problem that a lot of times guys get thrown into the fire like this. And we could very easily be talking about how Ryan Neal ended up giving up the, the game losing play, the game winning play for Dallas. And we would said, well, he was in a really tough spot, just getting promoted from the practice squad, thrown into the fire late in the game. And we're talking about the opposite of that. We're talking about a guy making okay. a play to save a win. 
I guess I have to ask. I, I never envisioned myself asking this the entire season, but I suppose now with the injury to Adams and Hill not playing and a no-name making the play at safety, dare I ask, dare I bring up the name Earl Thomas? He's lingering out there. He's familiar with the sk- the system, the scheme. I know things didn't end very well. Do you think this week or any other week the Seahawks would entertain the notion of a return of number 29. Would they entertain it? Yes, I think that it would at least cross their minds. It's such a fascinating question, Mitch, because on one hand, it makes perfect sense, right? You're talking about a guy who has a decade of familiarity in their defense, and you could be talking about a position of great need depending on how severe Jamal Adams' groin injury ends up being. I'm not going to say that it's at all likely just because we all know how poorly it ended for Earl Thomas and the Seahawks, the middle finger, everything else that went into that. And again, you know, he had issues that led to his release in Baltimore. So this is something that they would obviously have to take into account just how poorly it ended and how poorly it ended for him in, in, uh, in Baltimore as well. So I guess we'll have a better idea once we hear about Jamal Adams' injury, but I I just, it's a fascinating question nonetheless. Brady Henderson, ESPN Seahawks Insider, brought to you by Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead on the Taco Time Northwest app. As I watched Alden Smith sack Russell Wilson, I think it was three times on Sunday, I read up and saw that he's making $2 million guaranteed with $2 million in incentives. He signed back in April of 2020 after missing uh, a couple of seasons due to disciplinary action. Were the Seahawks ever interested and ever in the mix on Alden Smith, Brady, that you can tell? Yeah, from what I understand, they, they took a look at him, and I don't know if that was more than the typical look that they talk about You know, wanting to give every player. They always talk about how they're in on every deal that, that, they, that could be there to be had. So I don't know how far along they got with him, whether or not they actually made him a formal offer or anything like that. But I do know that they had some interest in him. And, you know, what I will say is this, Mitch. We all know that he's had some pretty well-documented issues with addiction. He's been suspended a number of times. There's also been more to it. You know, he was also had domestic violence issues in his past, too. And so it's not necessarily as simple as just saying, well, should they have given this guy a second chance? That said... Just in a vacuum, when you're talking about Alden Smith, a guy like that with as much talent and as much upside as he still clearly has after getting three sacks on Sunday, a guy like that would be very beneficial to a pass rush that is still, I think it was better on Sunday than it has been, but still obviously a question mark Yeah. with Bruce Irvin out and yeah. uh, Rasheem Green on IR for at least the next two weeks. All right, let's go from Alden to all 10 Alton Robinson made his Seahawks debut. You said on this show a couple of times that you were surprised that it took to week three for them to take a look. They had to like what they looked in his first opportunity, right? Yeah, he had a sack and some nice plays, some nice pressure, and got a lot of playing time from what I can tell. I was surprised that he was inactive the first week just because we had seen him really get a lot of run during training camp, and it looked like he was going to be a regular in that defensive line rotation. Now, that may end up being the case now that they've lost Bruce Irvin and Rasheem Green, as I mentioned, is going to be on IR for at least the next two weeks. 
But that was a very good debut for him. You, you did see maybe a little bit of rookie moment there where he had that sack, and then he starts celebrating, and you see Jaron Reed having to tell him, hey, get back here, get back here, because Dallas at the time, it looked, I think they called a timeout after that, but it looked like they were getting ready to, to run another play quickly because they were in hurry-up mode there. So at any rate, that's a very promising debut. And you know when they drafted Daryl Taylor in the second round and Alton Robinson in the fifth round, Obviously, everybody was expecting Taylor to be the guy to make an immediate impact. He's still on the non-football injury list, won't be back until at least around midseason. And in the, in the meantime, they're going to have to count on Alton Robinson to pick up a lot of the slack yeah. that they're missing. Next up, the Miami Dolphins. Who should I root for in that game, Brady? Boy, that's kind of like when uh, <laughs> one of like one of, like an NFL parent when their kids are both playing each other. Like I'm sure the Watt family and you know always has this conflict. So that's probably what that's going to be like for you. Should I have the sweater where it's half Miami <laughs> yes. and half yeah, exactly. Seattle? You'll hear Brady Henderson next on what we call the Seahawks No Table. If you are a patron, Brady joins myself and Joe Fan, and we have a lot of fun talking about the Seahawks midweek. It's a Friday release, and we also preview the upcoming game against the Miami Dolphins. We thank you, Brady Henderson, on the 38-31 win for the Seahawks over the Cowboys. The Seahawks are 3-0 with the Dolphins next. Thank you, Brady. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Mitch. Our guy Brady Henderson, also ESPN Seahawks insider, on a way too thrilling Seahawks 38-31 victory. Russell Wilson is all world, and the Seahawks are 3-0 and getting ready for the Dolphins this weekend in Miami. And by the way, we have a new feature for patrons on the Patreon site, the Seahawks No Table. Instead of the Seahawks Roundtable, we've got the Seahawks No Table. Henderson fan, myself, a member of the media, the opposing team, we hash out everything you need to know to get you set for some Seahawks football each and every week. That comes out on Fridays on the patron site. It's always great on the Zeke's Pizza hotline to hear from Zeke's Pizza president, Dan Black. Dan, in the last couple of weeks since we visited last, what's up with Zeke's? Uh, Things are going well. Last time we talked, I mentioned to you that more people were out and about coming into our dining rooms, our patios. That trend has continued, so it's been fun. It's nice to see more people dining out, more people out downtown, active. Like I say, the dining rooms, and patios have been busier uh, than they've been in a long time, and, and that's been fun. I'm hearing rumblings about some new locations, maybe numbers 18 and 19 of Zeke's Pizza. Is that right, Dan? You heard right. We got a restaurant being built in Kenmore, which we're really excited about. We just signed a deal for Mill Creek, which we're really excited about. Uh, there's a couple others in process that if they come through, we'll be up to 21 total. And uh, what happened is people saw how well we did during COVID, our profile and our brand. The awareness of it was raised quite a bit uh, with the franchising community. They saw especially what we were doing on beer delivery. And so for the past six or eight weeks or so, we've we've had more people inquiring about franchises than we ever have. And so it's it's pretty exciting to have this much momentum. Uh, it's good, good anytime, but particularly in the time of COVID when you know, a lot in our industry are basically on life support. So what you mean to say is all these people have been hearing you guys on Mitch unfiltered and hear Mitch talking about it and tweeting about it. And that's why the new locations are, are, are rising, right? Exactly. We actually do get, you know, your, your, your audience is definitely super passionate and, and we love that. And we actually do get people talking about franchises and inquiring about it. And we, 
my guess is someday that'll actually happen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, what's the Dan Black family been eating these days in terms of Zeke's Pizza? What are your favorites? Yeah, you know, last time you asked, I mentioned our seasonal pies, the heirloom tomato stuff, which was really good. We actually, the Black family OD'd on those enough. We've gone back to ordering some stuff off for the regular menu. And so we've been doing Wood Butcher, Cherry Bomb, two of the classics. Those are really good. My wife, Molly, really likes the tie one on. She orders off the wine menu. I order off the beer menu. Zeke and Destroy and Hop Tropic are my favorite. She's been drinking the uh, La Cole Rosé since it's been sunny out. And so, yeah, we've kind of gone back to a few of the classics lately. All right, download the Zeke's Pizza app like the Blacks do, like the Levies do, like everybody else does. It's a great time of the year football season to order in from Zeke's Pizza. Zeke's Pizza is a great partner. They've been a great sponsor going back to the radio days, and they are homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Castello going to go long to the corner of the end zone. Touchdown, Mitchell. Another huge third down play. Touchdown number five. Clock is going to expire on the jump ball, and it's intercepted in the end zone anyway. And Mississippi State has pulled off an upset on the road. On second down, Vaughn. And Deuce on the loose touchdown, K-State. Second down and 10, Rattler steps up over the middle. Or is it an interception? That's McPherson. McPherson picks it off. What a signature win, though. This time winning on the road at Oklahoma. 38-35, Kansas State. Going for the fade in the end zone. Nice. Basher. Hello. How do you do? Schooler in motion. You got it. You got it. There's the slip. Caught touchdown. Spencer T all over him. Joshua Moore. Bowman with time. Now he's one running out. Flushed. Let's it fly. And this one's picked off by Caden Stearns. And that will put it away. Texas with a remarkable come from behind win. Finally, a weekend in college football where the play on the field was worthy of the headlines, the bold print. Rick Neuheisel is always with us, courtesy of Taco Time Northwest and the Taco Time app. Order ahead, and you won't have to deal with drive through lines. Your order will be on the shelf just inside the front door at your favorite Taco Time location. How do we find Rick Neuheisel on this, uh, on this week of crazy, crazy college football games? Well, it was nice. Uh, it was a nice weekend, let me say that. It was nice to uh, be in the studio with CBS, bringing to uh, America an SEC conference game. And what a debut for the Pirate of the Palouse, <laughs> formerly the Pirate of the Palouse, formerly the Wizard of West Texas, and now bidding to be the maestro uh, of Mississippi, Mike Leach. <laughs> what an unbelievable beginning. And I know the SEC got giddy when K.J. Costello, his fine quarterback, the transfer from Stanford. Not many people go from Stanford to Starkville. Uh, Mitch, I'm going to tell you that right now. But K.J. Costello has done it, and he did it with a plum, 600-plus yards of passing. 
And while KJ in his postgame interview with Jamie Erdahl said it clearly means more in the SEC, let the record show that it took a Pac-12 coach and a Pac-12 quarterback <laughs> to go out to the SEC and put 600 passing yards on that. Now, hold on a conference. second. You sure that's a Pac-12 coach and not a big 12 coach? Eight years in the Palouse makes you a Pac-12 coach. Eight years in the Palouse, right. yes. I was shocked because – Chris Peterson all but wrote a manual on how to stop this offense. I mean, it was absolutely beautifully done six years in a row. And I cannot believe a guy that, you know, has had the kind of pedigree that Bo Pelini has had in coaching. Nebraska fans may not have liked him, but they like winning nine games every year, you know, given what has happened since he left. He has been a head coach uh, at Youngstown State and got that team uh, to the near precipice of the FCS. But for him to be making $2.3 million and not to have even bothered to look at the recipe that was right there for him and to play man coverage against what has been an offense that throws for 500-plus annually – I mean, it was a recipe for disaster, and that's exactly what took place in Death Valley. Well, that's where I was going to – I was actually going to start with the Pac-12, but since you're on the topic of the 623 yards that Costello threw for in his uh, maiden voyage at at Mississippi State, what will now be the ripple-down impact and effect of that as Mike Leach's offense is now seen by the rest of SEC coaches week to week as we go forward. Note to self, do not play man without somebody lurking in the middle of the field. Crossers are your enemy. And that's exactly what happened. K.J. Costello just kept hitting a guy coming across the middle over and over and over again. And as long as you're leading them in there to where there's an unidentified flying object, a defender waiting in there, then that's okay. But if you're not playing man with that guy sitting in the middle to take those crossers away, you are in harm's way. And 623 reasons I have to show you, (laughs) Uh, it it just, it just doesn't work. And I, I could not believe my eyes as I sat in the studio on West 57th street, that this was happening and it happened all day long. Well, there's a lot to talk about from the weekend that was in college football. You have the Mike Leach debut that we just chatted about briefly. You've got Texas Tech blowing a huge fourth quarter lead. Somebody told me that they were a 99.9% chance to win the game in the fourth quarter, and they blew it against Texas. We could talk about that. Or the Oklahoma loss to Kansas State after leading 35-14. Or the fact that Neuheisel finally ekes out a win in his picks on Mitch (laughs) Unfiltered by taking Cincinnati, the Bearcats, minus 12.5 in a 14-point win. But I... I'd prefer to get in here the Pac-12's decision to play seven games, seven weeks, five in your own division, one crossover game against the other division of the Pac-12. Everyone's going to play a seventh game on championship weekend. And and Rick, they're already the conspiracy theorists that say the league is going to stack the deck in favor of the stronger teams when the, when the schedule comes out this week in order to get someone into the playoff of college football. Do you believe as a three-time former Pac-12 head coach that 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 might happen? 
I, I have no idea what will be the recipe for uh, creating the crossover game. I have no idea. I know that uh, whatever the schedule's called for with respect to home and away uh, for the five games, those that had the three and two, three home games and two on the road are going to play a road game. That's all I know. I, and we'll figure out what that uh, recipe is. I heard it from a little birdie. I'll give you this much, that Cal and Arizona State are going to play. I don't know that it's going to be verified, but I heard that that's one matchup. So go ahead and figure off of that. Uh, the bottom line here is the bottom line here is I'm thrilled that the Pac-12 is back to play. I'm done beating them up for waiting all the way till November 7th just because it does no good, and I like the Pac-12. So I'm not going to beat them up any longer. I hope we saw Javon Holland, the fine secondary player for uh, Oregon, opt out while we're seeing kids from the Big Ten opt back in, Rondell Moore, the most recent one, the great little kind of slot receiver for Purdue. I hope that we'll see it about face from some of these Pac-12 kids that are gone, and we'll see them get excited about a chance to play with their teammates for one last uh, season, if this, in fact, be their last season. I, I just want to celebrate football. It's been a completely bizarre year, uh, and at day's end, you know, this is worth $66 million. That's what each conference gets by participating in the college football playoff, even if you don't have a participant. So that there's $66 million coming to the Pac-12 by virtue of getting back into the season, I'm thrilled for the decision, and, and hopefully uh, there's enough pats on the back to go around so that we can see if somebody's actually worthy of uh, mention when the committee gets together and makes that final ultimate decision. Rick, what about the BCS and the BCS selection committee and the topic of conversation that you and I had last week about expanding the playoffs? We're a week further. We now know the Big Ten's going to play. We now know the Pac-12 is going to play, and we also now know that there's going to be this huge inequity of portfolios when they are going over they're pouring over all of these resumes all the resumes are going to look a little different some might play one amount of games and the other might play a different amount of games what do you suspect will be the outcome to all of that Given that that uh, college football playoff is owned by a network, I do not see expansion in the offing. I just, I, th I think the money, you know, obviously the, the schools would love it because it would mean more money for them. I'm not sure that the networks are wanting to pay for more games. So I think we're, we're, we're left with what we have. Uh, it isn't perfect. Nothing has been perfect in 2020. But uh, I think that's, that's where we are, and we're just going to have to uh, try to celebrate what we get and know that at least the college football world is back on schedule. That means we'll get a normal you know, senior bowl, combine draft, and hopefully a normal 2021. So if, if Rick Neuheisel were the Pac-12 commissioner and you were involved in the schedule making and that crossover game, how would you decide which teams play which teams? Because there are a lot of people that think what the Pac-12 is going to do is they're going to take their so-called favorites, whoever they are, that are supposed to have the best teams. I think there's a couple of teams in each of the divisions that are supposed to be really good and give them softer opponents in the crossover games. 
What would you do in that regard? You mean like uh, that Alabama ended up getting uh, teams like Missouri? Correct. Uh, and, Correct. And uh, Arkansas got uh, Florida and Georgia? That's right. That's <laughs> Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri got Alabama and LSU. And Ohio State, by the way, in, in their uh, new schedule that was released, got Nebraska, a team that did not win enough to get to a bowl game last year, and Illinois. While Scott Frost at Nebraska, uh, because he was the one piping up so loud, got a nice help, heaping helping of Ohio State and Penn State. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, it isn't uh, yeah, yeah. Is all easy and, and equitable. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see uh, them trying to protect uh, schools like Oregon, schools like uh, USC, and making sure that if one of those schools is uh, capable of running the table, that it isn't uh, a big test on the other side. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked at all to see that. All right, back on the field, let's go to Oklahoma with a, what, 35-14 to 14 late third quarter league against Kansas State. Wasn't Kansas State a team that lost to, like, Arkansas State a week or two earlier than this? What happened to Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley? It, well, it's two years in a row that Chris Kleiman's team, uh, who, by the way, used to be the head coach at North Dakota State and won national titles there in the FCS level, then got this job at Kansas State. It's been two years in a row that he's taken uh, Oklahoma down. Last year it was a little bit of a, you know, some controversy at the end uh, with an onside kick and all, but this one was absolutely legitimate. They were down 21 points, came roaring back, and you have to finish a game. And when you look at the highlights of the game, it looks again like uh, Oklahoma doesn't have the right personnel defensively. They look really small in the secondary. They, were, they gave up lots of big plays. Mitch, this is the sixth time since 2017 that Oklahoma has lost a game that they were favored by 20 or more points. Mm-hmm. Six times. Mm-hmm. The most that it's ever happened before is three. In that same time period, most anybody else is, is three. So this is uh, a problem that uh, has hurt them over and over again. Uh, we, we come to believe that they're going to blow everybody out because of the magnificent offense that Lincoln Riley has, but he has not done anything to figure out that defense. Tell me about Sam Ellinger. Tell me about the gunslinger in Austin who brought Texas back against Texas Tech, Rick Neuheisel. Well, you mentioned, you know, the long odds, the 99.9% chance of victory for the Red Raiders. That's also what Dan Quinn had the week before when he was playing the <laughs> Dallas Cowboys. So. And it was a 15-point deficit in that one as well. So as you looked at it, if you were a Cowboy fan, and obviously many of those guys that play for the Longhorns are, you can understand how Ellinger can whip them up into believing that this can happen because it happened literally the Sunday before right there in Big D, right, against yeah. the Falcons. Yeah. So that's what he did, and that's what leaders do. You, you don't worry about the, you know, the aftermath. You figure out a way to win the game right now. An onside kick, once again, went right through the hands of a frontline uh, receiver there for Texas Tech. And Ellinger and company got the ball, went down there, scored the two-point conversion, won in overtime. And these are the kind of games that can kickstart a team towards big things towards the end. It is a little bit eye-opening again, though, that Texas looks like they're struggling defensively because Alan Bowman, the showman, the quarterback (laughs) for uh, Texas Tech, looked like he had his way with them. Going back to that onside kick, we talked a lot about this on, on our podcast last week, the fact that Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, came out in the days after and said, I don't think our players knew the rule. 
And that sparked the debate of whether it's the coach's responsibility to explain to the NFL players the rule of an onside kick. And I said, my God, these kids have been playing football since Pop Warner days. Um, I've known the rules of the onside kick since I was about five. How, how in the world are NFL football players playing on, on kickoffs not knowing the rules and whether they can go after an onside? The receiving team doesn't know that they can go after an onside kick before 10 yards. How is that humanly possible? Mitch, when you assume... You make an ass out of you and me. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing about with the word assume. Listen, if you're the special teams coach, you are going to go over that every year. That I, we have the opportunity to go take that ball at any point after it's kicked. It's they have to wait to 10 yards. But you, having watched that unbelievable onside kick that propelled the Seahawks to the Super Bowl yes. not so many years ago against Green Bay, yes. know that if you're a frontline guy and that ball's bounding high, you shouldn't be trying to catch it. You should be going and blocking right. somebody that's coming from the opponent's side yes. and then let the backline guys handle the ball. All you do is keep, it's like hockey. If you screen the player away, he can't recover it. And once again, the frontline guy got involved, got big-eyed, it went right through his hands, ends up in a Longhorn's hands. Hands teams and, and uh, all the coaching that goes into an onside kick is one of the really cool things that we have because you're trying to find so many creative ways because the rules have taken away all those bounding kicks because you can now call it for a fair catch. But the last couple of weeks have brought the onside kick back to life because uh, I think there was really close to having a rule change, much like the Alliance of yeah. American Football had, yeah. where yeah. you just make it fourth and 15. Right. Because it was so hard. They said it was just too hard with the new rules yeah. to recover the onside kick. Well, if you're supposed to be blocking, we can argue whether you're supposed to be blocking or supposed to be recovering. There are about two or three Atlanta Falcons that were doing neither, neither A or B. It, it was like they were they were being mesmerized by a snake charmer. <laughs> they were just like staring at it. It was it was uh, it was uh, not what that special teams coach there in Atlanta wants to put on his resume okay. tape. I, it's not going to be on the uh, on the reel. It's just not going to make it. The great Rick Neuheisel is with us, all courtesy of Taco Time and the Taco Time Northwest app. Order ahead and have your order waiting for you just inside the door on the shelf. Okay. Let's get down to brass tacks. You picked the Cincinnati Bearcats over Army. Is that right? Cincinnati over Army. They were laying 12 and a half. I think they won by 14. We'll give you our sophisticated podcast ring bell. Uh, that's what you get. So that's, that's the first win I've had this year. Thank you so much for that. So I'm looking at a schedule. Does that mean I get? Does that mean I get some Taco Time tacos? Yes, you do. As soon as you arrive into town, you, yes, you do. So I'm looking at a schedule that has some uh, some mouth watering SEC games. I see an Auburn Georgia game that looks looks pretty good. I see a Texas A&M Alabama game that looks pretty good. Will you stay in the conference of CBS? Or will you wander outside like you did last week and maybe come through a second week in a row? Where, and it's really early, where would Rick Neuheisel early in the week go? Take us for college football's week five of the schedule. I am going to bring your eyes right to where they belong, which is on CBS (laughs) this Saturday, where we will have for you the Texas A&M Aggies playing the Alabama Crimson Tide. 
And I'm going to tell you that despite a victory this week, Texas A&M offensively to me looked anemic. Kellen Mond, despite being the uh, only three-year starter coming back at quarterback in this terrific league, uh, I think is still struggling. I don't see it. I am going all tied, and I think uh, because Missouri made that at least a little bit competitive in the second half and Nick Saban challenged the intensity of his team, I think we're going to get a, the right kind of response uh, as they return to – as they get uh, ready to play these Aggies. I, I am uh, all over Alabama. Yeah, I was going to – you beat me to the punch. I was going to ask you how, how did, in your estimation, Alabama look in its win over Missouri? You think that he's going to be able to pull some – Something kind of kind of challenge his guys because of the way they finished that game. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what's going to happen. I think you know okay. everybody's excited to play. Everybody's looking towards big plays. Jalen Waddle certainly made his share. And by the way, the next time you watch Jalen Waddle, there was a play in the game where he went up and made just a spectacular acrobatic catch between defenders. Crazy. It was absolutely the spitting image of Lynn Swan in the Super Bowl. And I tell you what, you, the more you watch Waddle, the more you're going to see Lynn Swan in terms of the acrobatic, the grace in midair. Which, it's really fun to watch. Which Lynn Swan but, great catch? Was it the one that he was falling over the defenders or the one that he was high in the it, air? Which on the fingertips? No, the one falling over the defenders. The it looks ball. like he's yes. Barishnikov in the air. <laughs> yes, exactly. The same thing uh, happened yesterday with Waddle. He did the exact same thing, great. and I'm going, that's Swan. He's great. That's absolutely Swan. And people forget Lynn Swan was a Pac-8 uh, champion in the long jump. I mean, he was a big-time uh, track guy as well. So, anyway, I think that uh, it's Alabama. You're going to see everybody on all cylinders uh, this particular weekend. I have two favorite tidbits about Lynn Swan. the first of which is I think he happens to be the member of a fairly prestigious golf club here in the United you States. You are correct, <laughs> which <laughs> makes me green as the color of that jacket <laughs> with envy. And, yes. then, and then the other one. And I can send you the highlight. You may actually kind of remember this. There is some video of him playing for the Steelers where, for whatever reason, at Three River Stadium back in the 70s and 80s, they parked cars just outside the football field, but on the field in the out-of-bounds area, him making catches and jumping over cars because the cars were in the way. I love that, back in the 70s and 80s. I don't know if that was in Cleveland or Pittsburgh, but there were literally cars set up just outside the end zone, and Lynn Swan's making these catches and then leaping over cars in the out-of-bounds area. It was fantastic. Rocky Blyer and uh, Franco Harris and Mike Webster. and John you know, Stallworth, the- don't forget about him exactly right? all those epic guys uh, up front lc greenwood that all those guys were parking your ride that's, uh, that's a good deal it's great to visit with you thank you for doing this and we'll talk to you after next week's action and by next week i think i'm gonna have to ask you to start sticking your neck out on pac-12 games and what you think about the pac-12 and who's gonna win the pac-12 who's gonna win each division i figured i let you i, I, I let you off the hook this week and we'll wait we'll wait you realize next. a week from now we're still a month away from yes, pac-12 I do. action i do I'm not suggesting that you will have seen anything. I'm just I'm just thinking that maybe over the course of the week, it'll percolate. You'll start thinking about the Pac-12 a little bit more than maybe you have in recent weeks. Hopefully the county of Boulder there in Colorado, <laughs> my old stomping grounds as the head coach at Colorado, yeah. will be allowing for 18 to 22-year-olds to gather again. Because right now it's against the law. 
Rick Neuheisel <laughs> on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Rick. Talk to you next week. See you, my friend. Take care. One of the faces of CBS's college football package and the SEC on CBS, former three-time Pac-12 coach Rick Neuheisel. The Pac-12 is going to embark upon a seven-game season in seven weeks. Everybody will play everyone in their own division once, one team from the other division, and then everyone plays on Pac-12 championship weekend, the team from the opposite division that matches your seed. Daniel's Broiler CEO, Lindsey Schwartz, is back with us for a few minutes. What a meal our family had on the deck at Leschi just a few weeks ago. How's everything doing, Lindsey, over there at Daniel's Broiler? I'm really glad to hear that you had a good time. You know, there's lots of people celebrating with us, and things are going fine. We're still at 50% capacity, so we can't fill the restaurants up. But uh, we really have been filling them to that capacity level consistently since we reopened back at the end of June. So the three restaurants, three of the four restaurants remain open, outside seating available. As we continue to get kind of encouraging COVID numbers, Lindsay, are there any rumblings about modifications by the state to the restaurant people? Yeah, there's rumblings. I mean, it's it's day to day. But if um, if the counts continue to stay at the level they're at and, and trend down, then we hear that they will allow us to um, to have larger capacities and larger party sizes. So that would be fantastic. But in the meantime, we're just taking a one day at a time and we're feeling pretty good about the, the coming months. The question that I don't think I've ever asked you is how often does Lindsey Schwartz and or his family dine at a Daniels and what's Lindsey Schwartz's go-to entree, go-to meal at Daniels Broiler? You know, I don't go as much as I used to with uh, with the limited capacity. I don't want to take a table away from <laughs> from somebody else. But uh, when I get a steak, because you gotta you gotta get steak. I like the eight ounce fillet, but I don't always get a steak. And when I don't, I really like the halibut, the fresh halibut that we always carry in the summertime. And I like the salmon year-round, and the crab leg appetizer is my favorite. So there's three ways to enjoy Daniel's Broiler, three of the four locations. You can obviously go dine-in, limited seating inside and outside. You can pick up your order. You can order and pick it up at any one of the three locations, or you can even have Daniel's Broiler delivered to your door. Is that right? Am I missing anything? No, that's right, and and uh, I'm really proud of our team. We've really adapted to to the way the trends are these days. I think we've put together a really good program for both takeout and delivery, and that segment of our business is growing every week. So it's pretty exciting, and we feel good about moving forward, uh, even as as the weather's you know obviously going to change. I think we're still going to be just fine. How do we get delivery? Is it through DoorDash? You know, we're we're pretty much partnered with with every third-party delivery service right now. Okay. So anyone that you like to use, uh, check it out, and we should be on there. Daniel's Broiler, world-class steakhouses, unfiltered. Mark Johnson hobbling with a cane and retracing his steps. About right here. As he recounts the frightening moments being grabbed by a gator while walking his dog Rex behind his home in Port St. Lucie. Johnson now has more than 60 stitches, but is thankful he still has his leg and is telling his tale to help warn others. Luckily, you know, he opened up. He could have easily started tearing flesh. And after the flesh, you're talking bone and twisting, and that's a leg removal. You know, if you live or even grew up like me in the state of Florida, there are certain things that come along with it. 
that scare the living you-know-what out of many people. Hurricanes, no joking matter, and alligators are two of them. Our next guest has seen his fair share over the years, but then came a few Sundays ago. He's 61-year-old Mark Johnson from Port St. Lucie, Florida, and he joins us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm assuming you're you're feeling pretty good right now. Great. A lot of <laughs> lot of uh, a lot of memories. A lot of flashbacks. <laughs> feeling good. Stitches are out. Uh, um, good to good to be here talking to you. Well, our listeners are probably already yelling at their devices. What happened? What, why is this guy on the podcast? So start from the beginning. You're out with your golden retriever. Take us through the story, if you wouldn't mind. That's a great story. You know, our, we do our Sunday morning walk. We get out about eight thirty. I, you know, get my cup of coffee. Hollered Rex, let's go. And you know, you know what savannas are in Florida? It's the wetlands. There's pine trees, cabbage palms, swampland. You know, we live in, you know, that's behind us. And there's canal systems where we live on. Me and Rex, we go out, I'll let him off, and we run these trails. He loves it. And on Sunday morning, it was great. It was uh, probably 86, beautiful, sunny. Uh, we go out and do our little run. Okay, half hour, we head on back in. And we live on a canal which are used for drainage and everything. You know, we get a lot of rain, as you know, you're a Floridian. And these canals, they flow and they, they you know, collect the water and they run into other different bodies of water. And, they're, you know, all these things are full of bass, perch, brim, and, of course, alligators. We see them all the time. We sit on the front porch and watch, you know, there's, there's a seven-footer going right there. Get back to me and Rex. We we're coming back, our usual walk back. We get near the canal. Rex is off the leash. And I look to my left, and I see there, okay, there's a gator popped up 50, 60 yards away in the middle of the canal. The canal is probably 60, 60, 70 foot wide, grassy shoreline. The water was down that particular day. There's a little mud bank there. And I see the gator. Okay, I hook Rex up, call him back. We hook up, and we go on down by the shoreline because he likes to eat nibble and grass going back. I look back, and he wasn't where he was. And all of a sudden, I see a wake, and here he's coming. And you've seen alligators. You know how they move their, their tails, their rudder. That's their motor. Right. And he had that tail going. And I've never, in 60, I've been here my whole life. My mom and dad's been here their whole life. And this gator was splashing water. I mean, he was moving that fast. So I unhook Rex, go home. He listens to me. Very good. He leaves. Home is 80 yards away. We live, you know, live on the canal. I look down. The gator's already there. I see the water's clear. He's right there. Why, Mark? Why did you go down? Why, if 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 Rex was on a leash, I'm assuming of some sort, why not just pull Rex aside and, and go home? Why why did you let we him? Did, off? Well, that that's our that's the way we go. That's the trail. That's the way we go home. Right along the edge of the canal there. Oh, I see. That's the that's our route. But normally, the, you know, the gator's sitting out, you know, in the middle of the canal. We're watching him. Okay, I said, go home, Rex. I'll see. You know, he was behind me. Rex always stays in front of me just because of the, you know, this reason. But the gator was there behind, you know, way, he was 50 yards away. That's why I said, Rex, go home. And I time Rex, I get Rex off the leash, and he's, you know, he's always, he's up the, down the little bank here. He's at the house already. And I turn around, there's the gator right there. He moved in on me that fast. Never have I seen the gator move that fast. Never. And he so- moved 50 to 60 yards in that, in that amount of time. Wow. But, yeah, we, we go that way. You know, I'm, you know, we don't run away or anything. That's the way we go to the house. You can see the house from where uh, from where this attack was at. So I look down, and the gator's there. I see the head. 
and probably two seconds, my left foot was in on the mud somehow. I kind of, I don't know how I slid. I didn't slide or anything, but my left foot was in the mud, and uh, I'm wearing these Crocs. The gator lunges, and it was where I, the mud, the little mud bank is in the grass on the shore. It's probably two foot. He lunged. He lunged and got my right leg. I fall on my butt. My both my hands are down, and he starts his uh, pull. Wow. A, a pull, you know, you know, half his body. Remember, half his body's still in the water. He's wow. got his tail to use. Wow. He starts pulling. I pull. I start pulling back, and I'm looking, and the uh, the nose is above probably. I was wearing Columbia shorts that day, and there were shorter ones. It, it tore those. So his mouth, his nose was above my knee, probably three inches, and my left foot was hanging out of his bottom jaw. Wow. I remember seeing my, my foot. And my my other leg, you know, it, it was stuck in the mud, and I really couldn't move. But I, I didn't have time to because he already had pushed me down. And I, you know, as soon as I fell, I fell and pulled back. I pulled back a little bit. I am. I start cussing. I mean, I was pissed. I said, <laughs> "USOB." Oh, I'm. I'm mad. I'm mad that 61 years old. This happened to me right. after all these years. Wait, before you know, I, I'm before, before I know you're pissed. Before you continue on with the story, I have two questions. A. Do you think is there any chance that this Gator was pissed at you for wearing Crocs? After all, could have been. Years, could have been. I mean, but they were camouflage. You couldn't see them. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he was saying or she was. Do we know whether it was a he or a she? Do we know? Yeah, I, I didn't find out. I didn't find all out. Right. Maybe he. I'm, or I'm she, sure it was a male. Maybe he or she was in the canal and they said to themselves, "That guy's wearing. No one wears Crocs anymore. That guy's wearing Crocs." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're nice. I, you know, you. It's wet where we go. He likes, you know, it's marshy out here. It's fun to walk around the, in the water with him. Okay. But like I was saying, you know, he, he was so, you know, he was far away. I was, I was not, we were, I wasn't even worried about the gator. We see him all the time. Okay, gator's fine. And next thing you know, he's on me. But, you know, to continue the story, I'm, I'm down on my butt. And, um, you know, he, I, he's got me locked. You know, you know how, you, you know a gator. Yep. Once they lock, that's it. That's You're it. not prying it. Right. You're not getting that mouth open. You can close it real easy, easy to do. But opening it, uh-uh. And I could feel the pressure. I, I could tell that he had it completely locked down. That's the you know the jaw. So I the first thing I do, I see those pretty green eyes. I mean, we're we're making eye contact. <laughs> it's, it's so strange. It's hard to describe. You will see this in a painting. I'm doing a painting of this. I'm looking dead in his eyes, and I, the first thing I do is poke his eyes. I mean. You know, I moved my hands, taking the risk of not being drugged in any further, and uh, I poked, poked both eyes. With two hands or yeah. one hand? Yeah, two hands. Two of them, yeah, yeah. To my bottom knuckle and on the index fingers, I had six stitches in the one finger. I can't understand why my other hand is not, um, you know, it's, I had a bunch of scratches on my left one. But I uh, poked him, and he immediately opened up. You know, that's one of those things you have, you're talking seconds. Wow. Yeah, you're you're talking you're it's, it's you know you're talking two to three seconds you, to make a decision. And you said you cut your fingers. You just said you cut your fingers in his eye in his eye socket. Yeah, right? well, well, you know their eye sockets. They're 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 real. Um, you know, you know how rough a gator is around their eyes and their whole head. It's pretty sharp around that area, and there's bone inside there. So you know, I was I put I put my eye in my finger in his eye, and pushed in as hard as I could. Wow. And that and that's I'm convinced that's why he left. The trappers couldn't find him later either, until two days later. And I, I don't if I if I didn't do it hard enough, if I you know and he, and he did release, 
I'm convinced the gator would have came back while I was getting up and got me again. He was that aggressive. This is a gator, not a crocodile. We're talking to Mark Johnson, yeah. attacked a few Sundays ago by a uh, by a gator uh, who tried to drag him into the canal. The Rex, the golden retriever, was just fine. By the way, just so you know, Mark, we talked about your story on the podcast on the last episode, and what I said was, and I'll say it to you, that you're lucky that the gator wasn't an old Three Stooges fan and had the defense tactic of you blocking the two yeah. fingers to the eye. You, you remember? Blocking you, it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How Mo used to block it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a good one. Oh, God. So, thank, look, God, thank God he didn't. I'm, like, I, I'm glad he didn't have an eye cover. That You know how sharks have that little eye cover, you know? They, they have a little cover that kind of protects their eyes. If he had that, uh, that's that was my last choice. I'm down. There's no rocks, no no sticks. There's nothing. There's grass. Eight, you know, nine o'clock Sunday morning. People should be out drinking coffee. It's a beautiful morning, clear skies. Nobody out drinking coffee. They couldn't hear me if if, if I screamed. Uh. You know, and, and it's going through my mind. If this doesn't work, you know, you're talking seconds. If the eye poke doesn't work, what's next? Because I wasn't going to let let him drag me in the water. There's no way. You know how what happens then. <laughs> well, you may not have a choice in the matter. All right, I have a few. I have a few questions. I'll throw at you. Number one, gators don't attack humans unless they're provoked. What do you think? Do you think that he or she didn't know that you were human? Do you think he or she was just hungry and was looking for anything? What What, what do you think was the the reasoning behind I'm the attack? Thinking- I'm thinking hungry. We see gators all the time, you know. They're up and cruising up and down the canal. I bass fish out here a lot. I, you know how many bass I've reached down to pick up? <laughs> and that gator could have been there and got my hand. Um, I have, I've not had them come after fish. You know, you, know that, you see that all the time in the Everglades, not far from here. You'll be reeling a fish in, and here comes a gator, and they'll take it away from you. I think he was just hungry. I don't think – Rex was never – never in harm's way i made you know that's my dog that's man's best friend he was never in harm's way so i told him to get home and i always keep him in front of me just for this purpose you know so you now get away the gator goes back into the canal you limp your way back to your house what happens yep. next tell us about the the damage it's done to your leg are you going to be okay where were you taken your wife was there what happened she um I, uh, you know, Rex, of course, Rex is uh, already up there. I walk back, and I, you know, that you got this feeling. I don't even think I looked at my leg. I just, I, I turned back looking for him, and I'm still mad. I'm very upset, you know. I get on back to the house. It's a little hill, you know, a little bank. You you walk up, and she hollered, "Did you see the gator?" And I said, "Yeah, he uh, he got me." What? She was sitting out on the patio drinking coffee. And the gator was going south before we got there. So he went down there and parked. He saw us and parked down there, but she saw him go by. I got in and started um, trying to get the towel wrapped around it. I was bleeding pretty bad. It's the fatty part behind your knee, thank God. He ripped, I think there's nine gouges in that area, and the front tooth was above my knee. It just it, And that's the sorest part, I believe, where, he, where the crush was, where he locked down. That was the roughest. How many part. stitches? Sixty-one. Yeah, and you're going to yeah, be okay. 61. You're going to you're going to heal. Yep, completely? no no infection. Good antibiotics. We called uh, FWC, our neighbors. I was loading up to go to the emergency room. I should 
I didn't call 911 or anything. Why? What are they going to do? I uh, get in the shower, wash real good, get all the dirt off because I was dirty. I was on my butt. Warm water, wrap up towels. You know, two towels were soaked in blood. Told the neighbors to call FWC, which is Florida Wildlife Commission, and told us get this gator out of here. And yeah, we got to before it gets kids. Go to the hospital, emergency room, and of course all the nobody's seen a gator bite. <laughs> no. Did they get the gator uh, in subsequent days? And how do they know they have the right one? It was Tuesday, I believe it was Tuesday afternoon. I got a message from this. You know, now the trappers came out that day. FWC came out and filed a report, and then the trappers came up. They came out, couldn't get it. They did find my croc. It was down there, and there was a lot of blood in that area. Uh, FWC filled their report. And then Tuesday, the trappers called me and said, we got the gator. And the first thing I said, well, how big was he? He said it was uh, eight, foot, uh, eight foot six inches. Wow. And I, wow. I had teared up. Wow. Because you know as good as I do, four or five foot gator, that's in a different class. Seven, eight, nine, ten. That's a whole different class of gator right there. How, how do, again, how do they know they have the right one? He doesn't confess to the trapper. I'm the guy no, who did this. The, um, <laughs> the uh, trapper said that's the biggest one they've seen in the, uh, in the city. It's a small city. And we've not seen one that big in the five years we lived on this canal. I've seen four or fives, your typical, maybe a six once in a while. But I have noticed there was, I, I was going to say, man, there was an eight-foot gator a couple of weeks ago terrorizing the birds. Yeah. By the way, w- would they have seen damage to the eyes when they captured them? No. Um, and I asked him, were the eyes okay? He said, they're, they're fine. They're intact. I'm convinced it was him because he, I just the, the length of his yeah. nose to the mouth, I, I just remember that so vividly, you know? Yeah. Is that the way it typically happens? I mean, is the is the trick the the poking of the eye trick? Does that always work? Do you know? Well, you know, I've always heard. You know, I, I wade fish the Indian River Lagoon out here, like in two foot of water, and I've always heard for shark. You know, we got tons of sharks here. If a shark gets you, go for their eyes. Of course, that you know you've got a shark down here terrorizing your leg, and you're trying to find his eye. <laughs> you know, no, it's that just came to me. I have I heard about it over the years, probably. I'm looking at him, that hard head, and I see these two eyes. What I see there, that's the only thats the only weakness I see of those eyes. Boom, I just went for them. Mark Johnson, our guest from Port St. Lucie, Florida. And as we said about the guy with the grizzly, I'm just thrilled that you're here to tell the story, Mark. I wish you and your family all the best, and I appreciate you coming on and probably telling it for the thousandth time. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for being with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you. Port St. Lucie native Mark Johnson, able to tell the story. He's been seeing alligators his entire life, but not like this up close and personal. Grabbed by the knee, pulled down on the bank of a canal in Florida, and nearly pulled into the water before he poked the alligator's eyes, and the alligator let go and disappeared. Unbelievable. It's great to be joined again by the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage, and in particular, Jordan Flowers. Jordan, welcome. What's going on over there at the Kirkland office? Hey, Mitch. Great to be back on. It is incredibly busy times right now, but we are talking and serving lots of clients. It's amazing. Um, Everybody that's reached out from the podcast, uh, you've got the best fan base, I think, probably alive. Ah, Nicest people you've ever met. Nice. Nice of you to say that. The, the mortgage business, not just Guild, but the mortgage business in general is very hot. What kind of numbers are we talking about in, uh, in 30-year fix these days? 
Yeah, you're still seeing 30-year fixed rates in the upper twos on rate term refinances, uh, depending on cash out, whatever, you're still getting into the high twos, low threes in a lot of scenarios. So amazing time. So if I'm if I'm looking at my 30-year fix, my current 30-year fixed, and I see what number it pays to at least make a phone call to you guys for five or 10 minutes to see how much money I can save, what's the number I'm looking for? If you've got a 30-year fix rate over three and a quarter to three and a half, it's worth a call to see what we could get you down to or even shortening your, your term on a new refinance. And the best way to reach Jordan Flowers and Guild Mortgage? Direct office line is 425-250-3145 and cell phone 425-890-2957. You owe it to yourself to take a look. Take a look at your numbers. See if you could be saving your family money each and every month. Where would I be? Where would Mitch Unfiltered be without the great sponsors and support like the Kirkland office of Guild Mortgage? Unfiltered. Episode 110, three interviews in the books. The Seahawks are winners, 38-31. Don't forget, Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Week four, we already gave you the code word. We give it to you in the first segment each week. We'll repeat it for those that may have missed it. The word is Piper. Will you remember that? I I'll do my best. You know when her birthday is? How about is? getting one right? When is her birthday? <laughs> I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll remember Piper, and I'll try to get one right. Oh, we should probably check that score at some point. When, when, you, when you talk, I'll check the score. <laughs> you want to start on the other stuff segment? You see the guy who took a bullet for his three kids at a Bronx car dealership? Do you no, happen to see this video? No, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's not funny, but there was a shooting going on at this Brooklyn car dealership. He's on a couch with his three kids. He dives on his kids. Like, who wouldn't? At least you'd hope you would, right? Yeah. And he took a couple shots, one to the leg. He's going to live. He's going to be okay. He was fired from both of his jobs because he can't work. He's a mechanic, and he's like a head painter. He got fired from both of them. Like, really? Like, during this time? He can't work for good, or he can't work for now? At least for now, he was fired from two jobs as head painter at a maintenance company and as a construction worker in New York City. Wow. Something tells me now he's going to get plenty of work. Well, a friend of uh, his wife, a a friend of he and his wife set up a GoFundMe page. And when I last checked on Sunday, it was over $271,000 for him and his kids. So she said that the kids are having some emotional trauma. They're going to take the money for therapy. What was happening? Was it just a random shooting? I guess. Yeah. I don't know. But the the kids are pretty messed up by it because someone shot their dad. Young kids? Yeah, let me see. Uh, yeah, they, they were all pretty young. I don't, okay. I don't have the ages in front of me. Wow. But yeah, so yeah. Oh, oh, six, five, and two. Oh my God! Right, exactly. So two hundred and seventy-one grand. Good, good, good on everyone for chipping in for this guy who lost his stupid jobs. Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Montana and his wife confronted a home intruder who attempted to kidnap their nine-month-old grandchild. Over the weekend, law enforcement officials said on Sunday. I read that, and I was trying to make sense of what exactly happened. Maybe you can help me. Well, I don't know that I can help you. According to the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, Montana told deputies that his grandchild was sleeping in a playpen on Saturday when an unknown woman entered their home in Malibu and grabbed the child. Montana and his wife Jennifer confronted the woman, whom authorities later identified as Sadse Dazel, tried to de-escalate the situation and asked her to give back their grandchild. Jeez. After a tussle, there was a tussle. Jennifer Montana pried the child out of Dalzell's arms, law enforcement officials said. Thank you to everyone who has reached out. The former San Francisco 49ers star tweeted, 
Scary situation, but thankful that everybody is doing well. We appreciate respect for our privacy at this time. An absolute nightmare. I mean, if the lady only knew, she probably could outrun Joe. I mean, she's sitting and tussle with the guy. He's, he's not fast anymore. Or was he ever fast, Joe? I guess it's good that we can joke about yeah, this. Yeah, I know. That's true. That's it wasn't immediately scary. known whether Dalzell had a lawyer who could speak on her behalf. The sheriff's office declined to release any more information, citing that the case was still ongoing. Montana 64 retired after the 1994 season. So he, Joe Montana and his longtime wife, Jennifer, yeah. are with their nine-month-old grandchild, and a woman jumps into the house and grabs the kid. So scary. Right. I remember going. I'm still to, waiting to find out: is there connection? Is it yeah. random? Do they know each other? Is she, I mean, is she dealing with a full? Well, obviously, she's not dealing with a right. full deck, and I, I don't know. Just, a, just an awful situation. I, when I read this, I had to like read it like three yeah, times. So did I. To try to digest it and understand it. I remember going to Chuck E. Cheese, and I would, I wouldn't have eyes on my five-year-old. I couldn't see exactly. And I, the thought I had was somebody running out with her under her, his arm every time. I had yes. that thought. Yes. I lost her at a park yes. one time, and I had the same thought. Yes. It's so scary. I can as tell a you two things about that. Okay. Number one, when I was at Chuck E. Cheese with my kids, same issue. I was in the pit of balls playing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, 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 took my, I took my eyes off of Max. He was like, you know, three at the time. Sure. Yeah. I was having a hell of a time. I'm in the balls. sure you love germs. Yes. Yeah, it was. It's it was your favorite. It was place. really good. Uh-huh. But I can also tell you a true story. Knott's Berry Farm. I will never forget Knott's Berry Farm. Brett wasn't born. Max was just, you know, a toddler. Mm-hmm. He was just walking, whatever. Maybe he was two, one and a half, two. Sharon and I, you, you know, Knott's Berry sure, Farm. Yeah, yeah. We're leaving. We're going through some little area where you have to go through to leave. I'm already sick. I look up and I said, you, you got him. And she's like, what do you mean I got him? You got him. We, ha- we didn't have him. The worst feeling in the world. And we probably, we probably were without him. I would say in grand total... 15 seconds oh, lifetime oh. <laughs> i know it's crazy right we're like where is he where is he and yeah. he, he had he, you know he was like over there or whatever i, I may not even been 15 seconds may yeah. it have been 10 seconds but we at one point my wife and i had lost the current university of washington freshman <laughs> right at knott's berry farm, farm. scary so we scary. had and we didn't even go on the corkscrew we had lost we had lost our son <laughs> right <laughs> It's so scary. It's the worst feeling. You look at and just that that moment. Every, and I think every parent has had it, like at a department store where you look up yep. and then you look down and they're not there. I think I think all of us have had it. But oh my God, your heart just completely stops. Like you're never gonna find the kid again. That scene in Jaws where Roy Scheider sees the shark for the first time and yeah. Spielberg pulls the camera back but zooms in like that weird. That that's that's how your eyes go. Like everything just is blurry and you're yeah it's awful it's the worst feeling ever oh my god yeah dana carvey has a thing in his act where he says that two and a half, two-year-olds are always 15 seconds away from killing themselves at all times and he's right because two-year-olds don't know what they're doing but they can walk yeah they'll, they'll just dart away from you uh, the car they don't care they just they just take off it's the scariest feeling and you ever. know you're at knott's Berry farm where there's just a lot of people oh. and you're like i'm th- this is awful <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna find him Worst feeling in the world. So, yeah, I'm glad this was a happy ending for yeah. Joe Montana and his yeah. wife. Thanks for making fun of it. <laughs> a winery in a small town in Spain where apparently earthworms have never been happier spilled 50,000 liters of red wine onto the ground. That's over 13,000 wow. gallons of red wine got spilled. Uh, unclear what went wrong, but folks could only watch in horror as the vat slowly and painfully emptied out. So 2020 continues to torture people and my wife heard this story and hasn't left the bedroom in three days oh, so God. please tell me that you've seen get your booty to the pole no okay no a group of pole dancers i have seen the let russ cook video yeah 
Yeah, someone felt like they needed to send that to me as well for some reason. And they said it on the broadcast again, didn't they? I hate to say it, but it's working. I mean, look at his numbers. I hate to say it, but at it's what working. Point, but at what point does everybody just say, okay, it's overused now? It's enough. Or is that never going to happen? Isn't there, a, isn't there a line at some point where we've heard it and used it so much that nobody does it anymore? They everybody gets tired of it or no? Does it never go away? Well, I think people like not in Seattle maybe think it's cool still. Turn him loose. Yeah. That's the expression. Yeah. Not let him cook. Turn Russ loose. That's all they had to say. I wonder who came up with let him cook. I'm dying to know. I want to slap him if I can find him. Anyway, this is kind of a funny PSA that a group of pole dancers sent urging pole citizens. Pole dancers? Yeah, a bunch, of, a bunch of pole dancers made this okay. PSA urging citizens to vote in this election. So get your booty to the pole, P-O-L-L, by a bunch of pole dancers. They, they point out that district attorneys are responsible for prosecuting dirty cops. So you're not just voting for the president. There's lots to vote for. So oh if, if you're interested, it's probably not safe for work, but it's, it's PG-13. It's not... It's not that bad. Go out yeah. and look for Get Your Booty to the Poll. We should point out in the other stuff segment, since it's my turn, that the not only did the L.A. Rams lose, but the Arizona Cardinals lost. Sure did. On Sunday number three in the NFL. So we've got a solo leader, do we not? We do. In the NFC West, we've got a Monsters of the Midway defense. That is the solo lead of the NFL. <laughs> the most feared defense in all the National Football League is now the 3-0. and And by the way, you can now honestly say that if the season ended today, which it doesn't and it's stupid to even talk about, yep. Mr. Postseason declares your Seattle Seahawks the champs of the NFC West. Someone tweeted me and said, boy, Mr. Postseason is going to have his hands full with a tie. <laughs> <laughs> the stupid Eagles tied. I'm thinking, eh, I don't think they're going to be much in the picture as it, at 0-2-1 or whatever they are. Oh, dear. Shortly after Edron James learned of his Hall of Fame selection. Former this, Seahawk Edron James. That's right. This past year, he handed off a 1975 Chevy Caprice to a body shop in Florida oh. to get it Canton-themed. Now, you're not a car guy, but somebody might appreciate this. The owner of the body shop says, damn near everything on the car is new. There's a Hall of Fame wrap on it, meaning like a Hall of Fame paint job. It's got 28-inch Dayton wheels. He's going to drive that thing to Canton. Canton. It's got an, uh, an LS3 supercharged Corvette motor, so it'll fly. He's going to have all the inductees sign the car, and then he's going to auction it off probably for charity, okay. it sounds like. So all good right. for Edron James. That's kind of a cool okay. thing. Okay. All right. Did you see where Delonte West looks like? You remember that we did the Delonte West Delonte story? Delonte West, yeah. A year I remember, ago. Him as a, I remember him as a great player at St. Joe's in That's Philadelphia. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then played a lot of years in the NBA, but had, had hit some hard times, had he not? Some really hard times. Hard times like yeah. homeless, yeah. looks like maybe some mental illness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the Players Association, Doc Rivers and Jameer Nelson, who I think played with him, it was Jameer Nelson? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. They've been actively trying to get him St. some Jones. help yeah. uh, after a new photo surfaced showing the former star Hooper in rough shape. The viral photo reportedly taken in Dallas appears to show, he's only 37, by the way, 37-year-old former guard begging for money on the street. So people have been trying for a year to get Delonte oh, West help, and it's not looking great for him. Really so. sad. It is really sad, and really sad. he was a good player, right? Really good player. Yeah. Re I mean, terrific college. I mean, that that team that you're talking about, that St. Joe's team, Phil Martelli was the coach. Uh, that team. They lose like one game or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was either a one or a two seed going in the NCAA tournament. That was a great team. Yeah. 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 Rest in peace to legendary – wait, do you have anything? Do you no, want to – No, go ahead. Rest in peace to legendary skater Keith Huffnagel. It doesn't mean much to you, but he was one of the most influential skateboarders of all time. He passed away earlier this week. Is. Yeah. At the, but this is weird. At the age of 46, he's literally one day older than me. 
one day, I, I looked at his birthday. He's born January 21st, 1974. I'm Died of a brain tumor, you know, one day older than me. He, he'd been battling brain cancer for the past two years, and he fought the original diagnosis off. But he was born in 1974, like I said, in New York City. And in addition to being a badass on the board, he was also the founder of a huge, popular, and important skate shop called Huff Worldwide. He's a skateboarding icon. He survived by his wife, Marilyn, and their children. So rest in peace to Keith Huffnagel. Tom Brenneman update. Finally got one. Oh, you do? Yeah. I've not seen it. Cincinnati Reds broadcaster Tom Brenneman, who we talked about. Yes. Who said something derogatory about the LGBTQ When he didn't think community. he was on the air, he was actually on. Uh, yes, he was on the air. And he didn't, he didn't think, think he was. was on the air, and he made a derogatory comment and lost a job as a result. Had a hot mic in Kansas yep. City and yep. did not know it. Yep. So he issued that kind of weird, awkward apology. Uh, the Cincinnati Inquirer is reporting that he hopes to continue his broadcasting career, but for now... He will not work with Fox Sports on NFL on any of its broadcasts. And as part of his suspension, he was also yanked from his Cincinnati Red Shop. So he's just he's out on everything. Everyone just for now. took a pass on him for now. He said, quote, my family and I have decided that I'm going to step away from my role as the television voice of the Cincinnati Reds. I would like to thank the Reds. He's Red stepping fans. away or they've asked him to step away. He is technically he's stepping away, but I'm sure they asked him to step away and his statement was kind of cool. He said, I'd like to thank the Reds, Reds fans, and the LGBTQ community for the incredible support and grace they have shown my family and me. And if I'm given the opportunity, I will be a better broadcaster and a much better person. So, and he will be, hopefully, at some, at some point, given a second chance. Yeah, and I told you how I felt about it. I think he should keep working, and then he could give part of his salary to help the LGBT community. There's teen centers. There's all kinds of places. I don't like that he's out there unemployed now, but maybe he wanted the time away, so... Who knows? All right, you ready for one final one? You, you're kidding. You have one final? I thought that was the last one. Oh, you, oh well, no. I mean, I can, I, I'd probably find one more. Okay, if can, I look you, can you search the internet for one more? Yeah, one second. A here. Florida woman. <laughs> Is that right? You have one? No. no. I guess <laughs> no, this, this story took place in Vietnam because I get all the daily papers from that country. I don't know if I told you that or not. I do. <clears throat> Police in Vietnam have confiscated an estimated 345,000 used condoms which had been cleaned and resold as new, state media reported. What? 345,000 used condoms. They clean them and they resell them. This is according to state media in Vietnam. Footage broadcast by state-owned Vietnam television, VTV. We are recycling condoms now? I wouldn't say we. I'd say they are in Vietnam. I don't know what they're doing here, but yes. So this week they showed dozens of large bags containing the used contraceptives scattered across the floor of a warehouse in Binh Duong, the owner of the warehouse said they'd received a monthly input of used condoms from an unknown person. This guy was busy. <laughs> Holy Toledo. Uh, a woman detained during the bus told police that the used prophylactics were first boiled in water. Sanitary. You know, you got to be sanitary when you're doing this. Then dried and reshaped on a wooden phallus before being repackaged and resold. Uh, VTV said it was not clear how many of the recycled condoms had already been sold. The detained woman said she received about 17 cents for every kilogram of recycled condoms she produced. So that works out to about mm, 13 pounds for a dollar of recycling those. So there you go. Great story, huh? Are we done? No. <laughs> Hold on. Let me, let me just practice. <laughs> okay. the, the writer who Hold broke... Go ahead. The, 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 should, the, we, should we... Should we... <laughs> The writer who yeah. broke the story is yeah. really proud of their work. They consider it their magnum opus. <laughs> Next time you're complaining about how much you hate your job, 
Just remember that it's someone's job to boil, dry, and reshape used condoms. Maybe it's Tom Brenneman's. <laughs> That's his new job. Hold on. Ready? Ready? <laughs> Officials say multiple people have come forward with the damning evidence in solving cases. That's typically when the rubber meets the road. <laughs> Police are still looking for the unknown person who was dropping their monthly supply of used condoms off, but I already have an alibi. I'm married. <laughs> and I had a Mark Jones story, which was weird, but I didn't know. It was kind of, you hear the Mark Jones thing? No. But we're not supposed to end, yeah. not supposed to end the story. You're I just to, saw it. But. Let's just wait for 110p on Thursday. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. You finished? I'm good. How many? 340,000? 345,000 used condoms have been repurposed. Not something you want repurposed, like old wood from a church maybe I'm into. That gig. No, it's awful. <laughs> okay, the water's ready. It's boiling. <laughs> Hefty bag just plops in front of you. Go for it, Mitch. Jeez Louise, I know. Uh, uh, poor woman. A Florida go. woman? Yeah, uh, I, I looked. Seahawks are 3-0 after winning 38-31. Another explosive game for Russell Wilson, uh, who is off to now an NFL historic start. No one's ever done it. 14 touchdowns. Should have 15 if yep. it weren't for DK Metcalf. Should have zero interceptions if it weren't for 7 or $8 million man Greg Olson. Yeah. Could have been Jadeveon Clowney. I know. Uh, uh, I think about that now every time he has mitten hands. Beat and the boys. Uh, Scott and Mitch are not doing well. In fact, we are doing so poorly on Beat the Boys that if you haven't even entered yet, you could start now and it'd take you one week to beat us. And everybody who beats us gets a prize. And the code word for weekend number four is Piper. P-I-P-E-R. Basketball player Piper. Yes. All right. That it? Saints are losing, by the way. Do you have the Saints? All right, let's get out of here. 110 is in the books. <laughs>